Welcome everyone once more to another Heaven's Gate meeting. I think I'm going to um, just uh, copyright that intro <laughs> because I begin to feel like a robot now. The way I've been saying it every time. <laughs> so, um, you know, right when, um, before the meeting started, I was just in meditation asking God, um, what do you want to say, you know? Like I said, I said, it's very possible that uh, God could just scatter this whole meeting today, but thank God he didn't do that. So we're still on track. <laughs> Although he, he told me to talk about something in the beginning, you know, he told me to talk about the vision of Heaven's Gate and Heaven's Gate Academy, you know. I don't know if anyone here was there when we first um, made um, the group, um, I think in, in, in August, when we first made the group, we just opened the group chat. I don't know, is anyone here that was there from the beginning? Uh, when you were there, eh? When um, I wrote a welcome message and I pretty much said, hey, I know I'm following God, but I don't know where he's taking us, but I'm just moving. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I've always known the way I've worked with God, you know, he gives an idea, right? And I followed the idea. And as I begin to follow the idea, the forms begin to manifest. They begin to come into existence. He doesn't show if, he doesn't show, he doesn't really, the forms just unfold in time. You know, like this started, well, it's been going on for some time, but let me just say it, it took on a form in January when God asked me to, um, create the blog, you know, and he told me to write like I'm writing to the multitude. And I, that's how I began the blog from the beginning. And from the blog, you know, um, I think I had a Zoom call with a, a brother of mine. Then after that, God told me, okay, you're going to start Zoom calls every Friday. I said, oh, okay. And then we started Zoom calls every Friday. And that's how the group was formed, you know. And the group became formed and things have just been taking shape, taking shape, taking shape, you know, by themselves. And um, here we are with the academy, you know. So I want to give us a vision for um, what God is doing now through the academy and what he wants to achieve. And he said he wants us to, because the imagination, as we always discuss, is very powerful, you know. And when you have an image in your heart, it kind of calls it forth into existence when you have that picture in your heart, truly seeing it, you know, before it takes a material form. So like it's called Heaven's Gate Academy, it's, it's, um, it's a learning institution, you know. God is interested in the all-round flourishing of the human being. Uh, you know, we've discussed many times how the human being exists on multiple layers of existence. You know, we have the physical body, we have the emotions, we have the mind, and we have the spirit. And any kind of education that there is has to be holistic. It has to cater to every dimension of the human being for, for the education to be complete, for the learning to be whole, to produce healthy and working people, you know. So fundamentally, this is what God wants to achieve with Heaven's Gate. However, we're starting right now from the spiritual points, because that is the, um, will I say, the reshit, as we discussed last week, is the beginning of all things, you know. 
And if there is a right alignment from the realm of the spirit, then everything that is below begins to trickle down and take its form accordingly. So from the spirit, we enter into the mind, from the mind, we enter into the emotions, from the emotions, we enter into the physical body to build a whole system of learning, you know. And God told me he wants to create a learning structure that accommodates different psychological types. And, you know, that's why from the beginning, we've already started with, like, for example, the chat box, not everyone can engage that amount of um, high-speed activity, true or false. I'm sure some of us are, like, overwhelmed with, <laughs> you know, the chat box, isn't it? You know? And oh my goodness, I, I felt like personal goals. Like today, I'm going to do at least 500. Tomorrow, I'm going to do at least 2,000. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and so people are very overwhelmed with the chat box. Some people are like, my God, I'm waiting for something like this, you know. And some people who just don't have time, we need a podcast to listen to on the go. Some people actually want to sit down and read a whole write up. So, different structures God wants to build to create various forms of learning and subsequently we're going to go into the development of a lot of um, animations i've already started discussions with some um cartoonists graphics designers to create serious content it's not very very potent materials that you know to really communicate the deep things of god in a very simple and understandable way you know from comics to cartoons to different very dynamic, you know, and to properly disseminate it, you know, to begin to, because the idea is that, you know, we've been raised about God. There's, there's a lot of loopholes in it because it's, there's just a lot of loopholes and we need to begin to reorient the perspective that the masses have of God, because unless this perspective is reoriented, a lot of issues in the world today wouldn't be solved because fundamentally if we talk about God and any kind of learning whatsoever it has to solve the problems of the modern day so whatever it is that we're doing now the final intent the, the primary intention is to solve problems of the modern day and it first of all begins in the with the problems in our house our home economics then the problems in our community then the problem in our state our country and the world at large so the whole point of all this is to bring practical learning and understanding to really prepare people to, to, what's the word I want to use? To fix the world, as the Hebrews would say, hatikum olam. And it's going to be beyond, even though it's starting now with, you know, um, spiritual discourses, like I said, it's the roots, but it's going to enter into diverse different kinds of systems because you see, when spirituality is absent for, from any sphere of life, whether it be banking, football, sports, um, um, art, whenever the spirituality is absent from it, ultimately it will produce things that will fail, to produce things that will be corrupted. That's just the way life is. Because the knowledge of the spirits is the building blocks by which the entire universe was made. If this knowledge is removed from whatever we're creating, Whatever we're creating is already doomed to fail, you know. And this is what God wants to begin to fix, quote unquote. So this here is the vision that we have, you know. And um, he has an intention of creating um, 
learning, you know, to make learning very easy, you know, to invite people into the depths of God through languages that they can understand. Because fundamentally, every single person speaks a, their own unique psychological language, you know. So we're going to create various forms to meet different demographics of people, you know. So yes, um, that's what that's what Heaven's Gate is. And um, soon, very soon, you know, even though it was, we're, we're online now, we're going to have a, uh, a base in Lagos, Nigeria, sometime in the next year, you know. And um, it's not a church. I won't call it a church, even though by all means it would have everything that a church normally holds, but that and beyond, you know. As a matter of fact, you even told me this morning that this Friday meetings that we have in the evening, this is actually going to be the template. <laughs> it's not going to be on Sunday, it's going to be on Friday evenings. And that's when we'll be having our meetings, even when we have, well, for those in diaspora, it's going to, oh, everything is going to remain live. So it's going to be a hybrid community, you know, it's be physical and it's also be virtual. So everything will remain um, hybrid um, going forward, you know, but yeah, it's, is anyone catching this vision I'm throwing? Are you, are you able to visualize what I'm saying? <laughs> are you able to see? Do you yeah, what I'm saying? Huh? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I can't help you. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely. A in a way. You can say that. You can say that, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it's, let me just tell you, it has an intention of, you know, you see, on Fridays, on the weekend, you see, when a person gets up and, you know, they go to the bar, they go to the club, you know, what they're going to is to receive a kind of medicine because the club is a kind of medicine, you know, after the long week, you know, just want to unwind and it's a kind of, you know, it's, it's therapeutic, you see, but it's a pseudo-therapy. It's, it's not real. It's, it's there for the night and tomorrow it's gone. It's not a real medicine. It's not a real cure. How can we establish places that actually bring cures because it's not a, if you keep saying oh don't do this don't do that you've not solved the problem because the reason why i'm taking drugs i'm doing this i'm trying to solve a problem that i'm that i have on the inside of me if that problem is solved i won't be using all these things so as opposed to keep on fighting oh stop doing this don't go there don't go there how about we actually create working systems that bring true and functional therapy to people when this is in existence you will need to tell people, don't do this, don't do that, because healing has now come, you know. Why do I have to blow a good percentage of my earning on drinks that I will finish in the night just so for me to feel like, you know, I, 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 I have some kind of value? Because the only reason why I've spent one million naira in one night is because, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to feel an empty self-esteem, you know. How comes every weekend after I spend that money, I still have that hole? So it tells you that that therapy is fake, Abby, because if it's supposed to really cure you, why are you coming back there again to, to do the same thing, to try and fill that same hole? So these are the different things that different people are suffering. And most people, they don't even know it's an illness. You know, They think, oh, it's fine. And they look at people who don't go there as foolish. But the truth is, you're doing this every week and it doesn't solve your problems. So we have an intention of, you know, actually what God said, we'll, anyway, the site will have, it's, you know, when I, I'm not going to compete with any church. We're not going to take anybody's uh, congregation. So it's not going to be on Sunday. It's going to be on Friday. 
So if there's any congregation we're going to steal is the congregation from Quillocks and 57 and all these places, you know, we're going to turn all these people into apostles. This is the idea to set fire in that, in that city, you know, so that you, you know that the power of God is real. And this is, this is, this is the vision, you know, so the, those it's on Zoom and Telegram, but I'm telling you in a very short time, it's going to multiply so quickly. And it's a real move that God is doing, you know, to really change a lot of things and bring transformation to our country. So that it's not just Sunday and this, no, we need change, you know, transformation, function, you know. Now the time has come for that. And this is, this is the heart of this, you know. So that's why the core of everything we speak about is transformation and character because everything stems from that place. So this is what we're doing, you know. So this is what we're looking forward to. It's, it's a real movement, you know, it's beyond just church. I'm telling you so many systems are going to be developed. You know, we're going to create a lot of, you see, because when we talk about sports, people don't know the spiritual aspect of sports and how it can really help to build a person psychologically. We're going to have all these kind of things, you know, there are a lot of things God has put in the, in, in the heart. And I'm just, um, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's roll. <laughs> so, yeah, God just told me to say that, you know, um, to say that to us this evening, as, um, to put some seeds in our heart and vision, you know. So, yes, so yes, yes, yes. Anyone want to say something before we start? Yeah! I love that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> very dramatic. Very, very dramatic. Please keep it up. <laughs> oh my. I love that. <laughs> oh man, God is good. <laughs> Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing. All right. All right. Okay. So should we go ahead? Are we ready? Okay. Ready. Yeah? Okay. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right. So today we're still in Genesis. And, um, you know, as we say, the beginning is the end and the end is the beginning. And in order to understand where everything presently is and where everything is presently going, we have to understand where everything is from, you see. Because knowing the origin of a thing gives you a deeper understanding of everything that has come out of it, you see. If you be the person who is 25 years of age, to really have some kind of understanding of them on where they are, you have to go and see their family. Isn't it true or false? If you want to really have an understanding of a person at 25, 30, you have to go and see the family that he came from. You have to go and see the friends that he, was, he, has, he had grown up with. You know, you have to see his origin because the origin will tell you about where that person is at 25, 30. True or false? Yeah. True. True. You know? So, this is how the Bible is in a sense, because like we always say, we don't read the Bible to read the Bible. 
we read it to understand ourselves, to understand the world we're in, to understand life. So it's not just about being able to flip scriptures and connect dots from Genesis to Revelation. It's about using that and transferring that same skill to begin to connect dots in our lives and actually have functional and practical understanding of the world around us, you know, so that we can set things in motion and things like that. So it is absolutely imperative to go to the root, to see where everything came from, the foundation. The foundation is the most important aspect of the tree, of the house. Even though it might look simple, inside of that simplicity is contained all the complex nature that will soon evolve. And that's why we're going back to the beginning. You know, and for those of us who were present last week and those of us who weren't, we started with the first three verses of the book of Genesis. And in English, it says, in the beginning, God created. But in Hebrew, it just says, in beginning, God created. And the Hebrew words are Bereshit, which means in beginning, Bara, created, Elohim, God. These three words that begin the book of Genesis, the book of the generations, the book of the unfolding, encapsulate within themselves the seed plot for every narrative that has unfolded throughout the whole Bible. And when we begin to have an understanding of these three words that open up the Bible, we begin to understand everything that has played out subsequently. Like we discussed last week, Bereshit, in beginning, talks about where creation happened, not when, where, because beginning, Reshit is a person. Reshit is Christ, who is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. So creation is something that happened inside of Christ. Creation is something that happened inside of God. Everything that exists, exists inside of God not outside, exists within, you know. Now we're entering into the next word, bara, bara, bara. The Hebrew language is very interesting because you see, it mimics nature in, 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 in its, in its, in its um, it mimics nature in its, in its way and form. What do I mean by that? You find a particular word in Hebrew having multiple meanings. Why? All of us are here in this room, right? Like Bukumi, you're here right now, right? Yeah. Who you are in this room, the same Bukumi, if you are in a room with your parents, won't it be a different reflection that will come out? I'm asking. Huh? Uh-huh. You know, if you are with your friends from 10 years ago, won't it be a different reflection that will come out? True. You know? If you are with your colleagues or boss at work, a different reflection will come out. You know. So you as a person are multifaceted and multifarious. And for me to have a full understanding of you, I have to look at you from different perspectives. Because one perspective is never enough. It's never enough to see you from only one perspective because there are many dimensions to who you are. Every single person evokes out of you a new expression of who you are. And that's why, for example, in the Bible, we see God being identified with many names according to different circumstances and times. 
Because God doesn't have a definite form, you see. He doesn't have a definite shape. He has a definite nature. He has a definite essence. But that essence takes on different forms and shapes through different circumstances, through different times, through different experiences, just like we, you know, in different who you were, how you how how you were at in high school, the characters you, you exhibited are different from the ones in university, even though it's the same you in essence, but it took a different form in primary school, in secondary school, in university, when you began your job, when you got into a relationship, you know, because for example, who you are in your relationship with your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend is not the same you are with your average friend, true or false? You know? But it's still the same you, you know? So the Bible is just like this. Every word, every letter has multiple meanings because it takes multiple perspectives to understand one thing. You can't know it from just one place. And that's why each scripture, when you say, you say, oh, this particular scripture, this is the only thing it means. This is not even biblically true. It's not even traditionally true because you have books like, for example, the Talmud, where you have rabbis using, taking one, one um, verse and bringing out 1,000 different expressions of that one essence. But if one doesn't understand this Hebrew wisdom, you think that they have changed the story and everything, but life is multifaceted, multidimensional, and nothing is truly rigid as it appears. So the word bara is like this. It doesn't have one particular definition, but it has a particular essence. And I want us to use two of its meanings to build this conversation that we're having right now. Bara means two things. One, to carve out. You see, when you want to, when you want to make a statue, you take a big block of stone, right? Which is the prima mater, isn't it? Your foundational material, right? And then out of that material of the stone, you begin to hammer and chisel out the form you want to see, true or false? True. Hmm? This is a meaning of the word bara, to give us an understanding of creation. You know, because like we discussed last week, we said creation happens in God. Now I'm trying to not give us a pictorial form of it. They use the word carve out. So they're giving us a picture of a stone. And from that stone, something is chiseled to create something definite. And this also applies to us as human beings. Because you see, when we're talking about creation, we must talk about it in the micro and in the macro. Most times people read Genesis and they look at it as the macro creation, but they don't understand that we as people are also experiencing various creations in our lives. True or false? Mm. You know. Many people today, let me give an example of someone who, let me say, hmm, who can I use now? Let me say Cristiano Ronaldo, right? He was born as an average little boy, isn't it? From Portugal, simple little kid, you know. But from that simple little kid, Bara happened inside of him that chiseled that superstar out and brought that form. That is creation. That's what God considers creation. It happens inside of the, mm. the, the original, original person, the, the primary person, which is God in the grand sense, but in the small sense, it's us. 
That's why Jesus Christ could meet people who were fishermen, illiterates, and he could carve out apostles from them. That's bara. Are we seeing that? That's creation, you know, carving out something from something that looks like nothing, you know, carving it out, bringing, bring, bringing out the statue from the stone. And that's why we have this scripture. How does it go again? The rock from which you were hewn. Do we know this scripture? Is anyone familiar with that scripture? Huh? Yeah, it's also familiar. Yes, is it, I'm, I'm trying to remember where it is in the Bible. The rock from which you were hewn. Because you don't know it. God is the rock. Let me, let me, let me actually, let me Google this and see if I can find it. Sorry, friends. Google is my friends. If I can't remember. It's okay. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Okay, Google. Okay, fantastic. To find it, you can just post it on the chat for us. Isaiah 51. Could you post it? Could you post it on the chat? And please, you can help me to delete the link that the Bible app normally puts at the end. So let's post only the the verse. Aha. So it says, Hearken to me. Okay, what version do Anyone is fine. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. So this is a scripture that shows us that we came out of something, you know. Every single one of us came out of something. And, and the way that creation comes out of God is the same way the new creation comes out of us are we seeing are we seeing this parallel that i'm building because if it's from this genesis chapter one that paul came and started talking about the new creation because there's creation in the macro sense and there's creation in the micro sense you know because every single one of us here are a kind of creation that is happening that is presently unfolding are we understanding do you understand that yes sir yeah, you know. So in a primary sense, Barat talks about carving out something from nothing, you know, carving it out. And that word also enforces the idea that everything that is created is created inside of God, not out. Because you look at creation as God here and making something outside of itself. You know, I've seen a particular image that has been um um, is openly being disseminated right now, saying that the 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 only thing that is the re- that was a point of reference. How did that how did that image go? That God is only man that God created in Himself. Everything else was outside, but that's not true because the very first verses of Genesis talk about where creation happened, and with that word bara, you can see very clearly that it talks about the carving of something small within the large, you know. And another variation of that same word bara is to expand, to fatten, you see. And this meaning is very clear, especially when we look at how a fetus in a womb develops. Now you can start seeing how all the analogies of the birth of the, of the new man and everything came and is all associated to new creation because it's, 
Creation itself is like a child being born. That is the same principle, you know? The word bara also means to expand, to make something fat, to, to enlarge it. And if you observe the fetus in the womb, it's just like that. It begins as a speck of, as a, as a spark of light, and it begins to expand, and it turns into, you know, the child inside the, of the womb of the mother before it comes out. Also, if you observe how a star is formed or a planet is formed, it begins as a small spark and then it begins to expand. This is bara, you know. The second meaning is expansion. Expansion. Ex bara, to expand. The literal, the, literal, the literal translation will say fattening, but I'm just using the word expansion to give us a much more um, familiar understanding of it, you know an expansion, a growth that happens from inside out. And this same principle occurs for the positive, for the negative. Remember what Jesus Christ said, there is nothing that enters into the mouth of a man that corrupts him, but that which comes out because everything expands from inside out, not outside in. The darkness expands from inside out. The light also expands from inside out. That's why Jesus Christ said, you will not look here or look there to find the kingdom. You'll find it in yourself because the bara, the birth, the expansion unfolds from within, you see. And this is what is spoken about fundamentally in this verse in Genesis chapter one, the unfolding that happens from the inside out. And you know, we look at creation, when we say Genesis, creation, we look at it as something of the past, of something that happened and something that will end very soon, you know, a very linear way of looking at things. But when you engage the universe with a telescope, just looking outside, you realize that there are so many solar systems that are being born and there are so many solar systems that are dying, true or false. True. Huh? Exactly. Sure. Creation is continuous, Bukumi. You're right. It's an ongoing process. It's, it doesn't begin anytime. It doesn't end. It's, that's, it's always like that. So Genesis chapter 1 doesn't talk about the beginning. That's the point zero of all things. It talks about a beginning because there are so many big... If you look outside, just beginning is everywhere, you know, even in your life right now, right? There are so many beginnings happening inside of you. You, you began at, at, at zero age, but the moment you set foot in this world, you started be, to begin many things. You began your relationship with your dad. You began your relationship with your mom. You began your, your learning of English. You began your relationship with the television and the cartoon. You began promise beginnings, 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 you see? And exactly, you can see why scientists have an evolutionary theory. There is a truth to the evolutionary theory, but you see, because it has, is missing the spiritual context. That's why they have so many funny, funny uh, uh, theories that are just very unbalanced. But life is evolutionary in nature. Of course it is, you see? Because when you look at a child, it starts out as a speck of dust and it begins to unfold. One cell becomes two, two become four, four becomes 16. You know, it begins to expand. Life evolves and life also devolves. The same principle you see it expressed in everything. Creation is an ongoing process. 
it doesn't have a point when it started. It doesn't have a point when it to end. Inside of God, everything that exists are many creations, many beginnings, and many endings. You know, even in this planet that we live in, if you observe the planet very well, can't you see that there are some countries that are already entering the end of their cycle, and there are some that are only beginning? Why do you think people are rushing to Africa? Because Africa is like a child that's just been born, and that's why they want to rape it, because the children are always the fresh ones. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand? Yeah. You know? Europe is like an old man that has reached his climax and is tired, and now he's trying to collect life from the baby, from the child. Because Africa is just like a child that is just starting its journey. And that's why they call it a third world country, because it's just unfolding. So in this planet that we're seeing, there are many beginnings, many endings, if you, don't, if you actually observe it. Some things are at a very far level of evolution. Some places are at a very low level of evolution. Creation, 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 creation is happening in everywhere, in everything. It's not something that is of the past, but something that is of the eternal now. And when we have this understanding, our approach to God will change because we approach God and Christianity in general as final, final things. Oh, once I enter the altar called final, that's the end. But when you look at the Bible and observe the trajectory of things, you see, because fundamentally, you know, when we talk about the beginning, the bara, the birth, like we always discuss, the birth is always associated with water, you know, that's why we have the flood of Noah which drowned the planet for 40 days and 40 nights, you see. And after that came out Noah and his family, who are representative of children of light, who came out of the womb of God. And the water drowned everything that was against the nature of God, you know. And subsequently, we see the same, see the same thing happen with Moses in, in, and the Israelites in Egypt, how the Red Sea drowned those that were of a different nature of God. And the, the same sea that drowned things of a different nature of God were the same, was the same seed that birthed out lights of God, children of God, you see? Because the water is a tomb, is a tomb for the carnal man. But that same water is a womb for the spiritual man. That's why Paul talked about the baptism saying, you die with Christ and you are resurrected. Because the water represents something dying, the old nature. And the water also represents something being born because the water is a womb, you know, spiritually speaking. And we see that water always associated with the number 40. As we've spoken about, for some of us on the group, we've spoken about the number of times, how the number 40 is always associated with that birthing process. Factually speaking, from the time of Exodus chapter 3, when Moses was called by God to go to get the children of Israel out from Egypt into the promised land to the very last chapter of Deuteronomy is exactly 40 years. That whole saga of Moses from Exodus chapter 3 to Deuteronomy is exactly 40 years. It's the same, you see the same principle happening. And that's why Jesus Christ, after the River Jordan experience, he had to spend 40 days in the wilderness because the number 40 is associated with the time of birth the time of creation. And in that time, something old has to die for something new to be born. 
Now, when we look at the Bible, we see that because people look at, you know, saved and we say, oh, is that the end? But when you look at the Bible, you see Paul talks about how we have been saved. He talks about how we are being saved. He talks about how we are going to be saved because creation is an ongoing process. It's not just final. There are many creations and beginnings happening in us, you see, and that's why the journey of a believer is a continuous one. That's why when you study the Bible, especially the Old Testament, there's a theme that you notice, you see, a theme being that they are always in motion. Have you seen that theme in the Bible? How the Israelites are always moving? Huh? Well, Have you seen what I've noticed is like yeah. the change yeah, of mindsets concerning most leaders. So like how Paul went from, you know, prosecuting the church to going to learning about God, to going to Christ within me, you get what I mean? So that was a change of mindset. Yeah, a change of mindset, you know. Um, I, I didn't get your point exactly for me. Did you, maybe you could, could you re- reiterate it? No, I said that when you said the change, Israelites are always moving and we're constantly yeah. being saved. So I said, what I noticed is that start, for example, Paul, his mindset, you know, was in a constant state of repentance. So it went from persecuting the church to finding out about God to, you know, searching for God to understanding that Christ within him, the son of, you know, God who unveiled his son within me. That's like a yes. continuous motion of mindset. It's continuous. That's why in James chapter one, um, no, James chapter two, when James said that, how did he, how did he, how did he, how did he say this? He said, be hearers of the word, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For I would liken a man who hears but does not do uh, to someone who looks in the mirror, then turns away, forgetting his own reflection. But the one who looks, who continues to look at the law of liberty, this one is blessed in all that he does. Look at that statement. The one who continues to look at the law of liberty. We have this idea that, oh, the moment I've said Jesus is Lord, that's the end. And then nothing is nothing left again. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not even anywhere in the scripture. Because every day there's a bread to eat. The question is, what bread are we eating today? Because creation is happening every blessed day. The question is, what is being created? What is being formed? what is being expanded in us. Every choice we make in every instant facilitates the expansion of either light inside of us or darkness inside of us. Do we understand that? Yeah. Do we understand that? Yeah? Yeah. 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 Every day, every day, the choices we make, the actions we take are facilitating the expansion the barrage of either the light in us or the darkness in us. Every blessed day. Because creation, transformation is an ongoing process. And that's why you see in the Bible, there were so many crossings. The first, I mean, the, 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 the primary crossing we see is in Genesis chapter one, when God divided the waters from the waters. Of course, if one can see it, this is exactly tied to when Moses parted the Red, the Red Sea, dividing waters from the waters. From there, that's when the light came. So you see the first template in Genesis chapter 1, you see. Then you see it in Noah. Then you see it in Abraham, when Abraham crossed the Jordan, you see. Then you see it in, uh, 
um, the children of Egypt, you know, coming out, crossing the Red Sea. Then you see it with Joshua when he took the, 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 the children of Israel through Jordan, you see. And one would think that it's, that's the end. There's no longer captivity and crossing. But you see, being captured in Egypt was not the only time that the Israelites were in captivity. Because when you study the Bible, you see many times they were captive, many times they were liberated, many times they were captive again, many times they were liberated. I want to ask a question. Is this not what our life looks like if we're going to be sincere? Since we started our work with God, hasn't it looked like that? I'm asking. True. If we're honest. Has yeah, it been yeah, a straight line? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we're sincere, it's like, <laughs> like, no. like they scatter up and down and yeah. all over the place. It's right? very <laughs> line. <laughs> like, I remember we... in one movie, scientists said creation is never in a straight line. So you said that again? So um, I remember one scientist said one time that um, when you see when you see a straight line, you, then you know it's not it's not part of the universe. Creation never happens yeah. in a straight line. That, that, that guy is a genius. Life doesn't work like that. It, it it doesn't work like that. It's all over. Everything is just it's not it's not it's not straight like that. And the Bible teaches those laws. If you can if you can study the characters and their movements. Just forget about them being human beings because when you look at human beings too much, we miss the, the essence of the story. Just study their movement, their characters. You start to see that those writers of the Bible were communicating the laws of the universe from all those little stories. You see this, how the world is. It's just... Sorry, I don't have the words to explain it. Don't laugh at me, please. That's just me trying to articulate. But do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you know it looks like it's scattered it looks like it's scattered it looks like it's scattered but there is a pattern to it one enters into the forest you see and you see it scattered like the trees yeah and you see the man in his in his foolishness will tell you ah this this forest is ugly let me turn it into a garden right and then they make a garden and you find out that garden you made cannot live for three four months without you and you have the boldness to say that this garden that cannot live for three, four months without you is better than the forest that's been there for 500 years. Does that make sense? I want us to think about that. Because you look at forest and we say it's jaga jaga, but this forest by itself reproduces itself every time and keeps itself alive. But the garden you make cannot last for more than six months. Which one is better, I'm asking? Huh? The forest. forest. Yes. And that's, the forest teaches you a lot about God. Because when we approach God, we, 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 you know, we, we think everything has to go with this specific plan, this arrangement, you know, everything's just tailored, you know, nicely. And, but life doesn't ever work that way. It has never worked that way. Nothing that lasts long is built in that manner. It has, true beauty has, how do they say it? It has some crack to it. It has, true organization has some chaos to it. Yeah, know me exactly. Organized chaos. It's, it, has some, it has some chaos to it. And that's why I find it so strange that people are reading the Bible and they are expecting to see perfect stories. And they're like, ah, ah, don't you see that Abraham did this? Don't you see that David did that? And in my mind, I'm like, I don't get it. Are you expecting to see people who would never have made mistakes? Who gave us this idea of anything becoming beautiful without being first dirty and stained? That mindset, it's, it's, it's a lie. It's a lie. 
Adam had to fall. It was always part of the plan. It was part of the story. That's why God allowed the prodigal son to leave the house. Of course, he had to leave. It was part of the story. He had to become stained to understand the value and beauty of cleanliness. If he had not been stained, he cannot appreciate the cleanliness. The son who never left the house, he did not value the father. He's only the one who left and saw the difference between the two that could appreciate. You see, his ways, like, yeah, exactly. His ways are not our ways, is different. And we can learn his ways, you know, because people always talk about how, oh, God's mind is beyond this. But what they're really saying is that, man, I don't even want to try to know him. But it's possible to understand his mind. Look at Paul, right? Paul was told by a vision that he was going to die in Rome and he will be beaten and be thrown into prison. But yet he went there full force. And on his way to Rome, the prophet Agabus came and said, hey, 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 man, you are going to be flogged like a donkey. Don't go there. He said, get away from me. This is my destiny. In that moment, that person didn't have understanding. Yes, he saw the future. It's possible to see the future, but you don't see the will of God. So it's not every prophecy that someone says to you that the fact that if you give me a prophecy does not mean that they have interpreted it well. Agabus saw the future, but his interpretation was completely antagonistic to the will of God. You know, Paul saw the future. He knew death was in front of him, but he ran to it because he understood the mind of God. He understood the ways of God. He understood the will of God and he aligned himself to it. God's will for him became his will for him. Someone said, when our wishes are aligned with the wishes of God, our wishes will always come true. That's a statement to remember. When your will is aligned with the will of God, whatever you will will come to pass. And that's why everything Jesus Christ said happened. Because everything he said was in alignment with the will of God. It was not in contradiction to it. It's when things are in contradiction to the will of God that things go haywire. It's like being at sea in a sailboat. And the wind is coming like this. And instead of you to see how to arrange your sail to bend it in a way that that wind can move it to your direction, you put your sail against the wind. How can anything happen? It will work. And that's how a lot of us are carrying different aspects of our lives. Just like that sailor who is putting his sail to fight the wind. Of course, the boat is going to capsize. You see, the wind is not a bad thing. God is not a bad thing. His will is not a bad thing. It's supposed to be understood. It's like that force that is moving. And just like that experienced sailor, you're supposed to know how to turn your sail in a way that this wind will move you to the direction that you're supposed to go. But if one does not turn their sail perfectly, that same wind that is supposed to lift you up, what will happen? I'm asking. Uh, the same wind will cause a mishap. Of course. The wind will cause the boat to capsize. It's true. Correct. The wind is not bad, but you see, when one does not understand the wind, when one misappropriates the wind, that which is meant to lift you up will be the very thing that will pull you down. And the same applies for the inverse. That's why Joseph said, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it into good. And Paul said, everything works together for good for those who love him. Because you are able, like that sailor, to turn any wind 
to your favor, no matter how it might be, whatever circumstance might come, because in that moment you remember your father, you remember the spirit of God, and you align yourself with his directive, that wind that has an intention of capsizing you will be the very wind that will take you to that island that you're going to. And who knows whatever wind might be in your life right now. I'm telling you, if you remember God in this moment and you ask him to show you what to do in this time, he will teach you how to turn your sails so that that very thing that is bringing fire in your house will begin to cook your own food, you see. And all this is expressed in all these stories and they all unfold in the same manner. Because creation is an ongoing process. The birth is an ongoing process. The crossing is an ongoing process. It's not a one-time thing, you see. Because the concept of baptism, of course, we see the types of it spoken about in the life of Abraham, in the life of Moses, in the life of Joshua, in the life of, of um, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all the different times that they were in captivity and they came out was a kind of crossing, you know, from darkness into light. And they were experiencing different birth, birth, birth. And that's how life actually is. There are many, many births in our journey with God. The person you are today, it's not the one you were two years ago, you see. It's an ongoing process. It's not a one and final thing. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Do do, do you understand? Yes. It's an ongoing thing. Creation is something that is always in motion. And that's why the Israelites, when you see them, they were always moving, always moving, always moving, always moving, always moving. Because that's how life is. There's always a, a continuous motion, a continuous movement, a continuous growth and transformation. So every blessed day, there's something that needs to be done, something that needs to be achieved, some, some new milestone needs to be set every day in our journey with God. It's not a one and done thing. And that's why we have a lot of lackadaisical believers who think, oh, just because I've said Jesus is Lord, that's the end. How, how, is, wow. That is not even biblical. Yeah, baffled. Calm down, calm down, calm down. This is true. I'm sorry, man. You know, sorry, sorry. You know. Be coming down, come on. Be coming down, please. I'll calm down, no problem. You know, it's not even biblical. You know, that's what James explained. He who continues to look at the law of liberty, this one will be blessed in what he does. So there's always going to be that place of the doing, that continuous doing. Yes, what we did in 2015 was fantastic. Wow, I was, uh, I was an associate to a, a pastor who c- conducted a crusade. My God, I, was, I, I helped facilitate the bringing of 1,000. Great, 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 that's fantastic. 2015 was great. What is happening in 2020? If you did things that brought liberation to you in 2015, best believe you could also do things that can lead you to slavery in 2020. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace my bound? God forbid. Do you not know that he who is obedient to, he, obedience to sin leads to death and obedience to righteousness leads to life? So no matter what, the wages of living a life 
out of harmony with God will always lead to the part of death. It doesn't matter if I say I'm a Christian, all these things don't matter. Christianity is defined by what we're doing every blessed moment. It's not a two years ago thing. Every blessed day, your Christianity has to be reaffirmed. It has to be recreated. It has to be rebuilt. Do you understand that? It's yes, a daily yes. thing. You know, yes. every blessed day. Yes. Absolutely. Because as people, every day we're becoming something new, you know? And to even bring it to a psychological level, right? This is why in our interactions with people, we have to be looking at who they are every day because we oftentimes make the mistake, right? Of staying frozen in an experience of a person that we had five years ago. The person in front of us, five years has passed since whoever they were in 2015, but we're still looking at them as that person in 2015, good or bad, you know? Maybe they did a bad thing in 2015 and we just can't get past that. And we don't see that this is a new person. Barai, different kind of barai has happened in his life. It's, this is not the guy or girl you knew in 2015. You, a different person is standing in front of you, you know? And then we make the mistake and we're still holding on to them. Oh, you look at what you did that time. You are and we can't move forward. We don't see that the person in front of us, the person in front of us is a completely different person, you know? Because creation is something that is always happening. It's not final. Life is always in continuous motion. When something is final, that's death. Life is always moving, 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 moving. So someone asked the question, how do we incorporate this? How do we incorporate the fact that it's also a finished work Christ did? So the finished work Christ did, you see, let me talk about the finished work of Christ. It's, For one to understand that statement, the finished work of Christ, you see the Bible, like I said, for you to understand something, you have to look at it from the multiple perspectives. That's why it looks as if the Bible contradicts itself, but it doesn't. The Bible counterbalances itself. For example, in Romans chapter 5, Paul says, by faith, by works, no man is justified. And he talked about Abraham's story and talked about all these things. So in Romans chapter 5, Paul said, by works, no man is justified. Bam. That's one half of the coin. In James chapter 2, James said, is it, can faith only save anyone? Can you say you have faith and not have works? Is it only faith that saved Abraham? Yes, demons have faith and they tremble. But do you not know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Are we following that? Do you see how James counterbalanced what Paul said? Are we following that? Yes. So we can't understand what Paul said Thank if you. we don't understand what James said. And we can't understand what James said if we don't understand what Paul said. Because there are two halves of one whole. It's not enough for one to say, I have faith. Your faith must express itself through your actions. It has to express itself through what you do. Faith is seen in the act. That's why every time Jesus Christ spoke about the person having great or little faith, it was based on what they did. He said, oh, wow. In all Israel, I've not seen anyone as, with so great a faith as you did. You know? And in the inverse, when, the, when his disciples were screaming in the boat that was about to be capsized, he said, oh, my God. Your year of little faith. So the actions that we express, right, are a testament. Yes of the faith that we have. So 
There's no how one can have faith without it producing works. But it's possible for one to have works but not have faith. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah? The yeah, rest of us is, do, yeah. do we understand yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's the counterbalance, right? So I'm saying this for the question the, the lady asked concerning the finished work. Or I hope it's a lady in case I don't make a mistake. How do we balance it with the finished work of Christ? We know what Christ has come to do, know what he has done, right? But it's written that anyone who believes in me shall be saved. But belief is not a one-off thing. It's something that has to be happening every day. That's why Jesus Christ said, why do you call me Lord, 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 and not do what I say? So the Lordship of Jesus Christ is defined by the actions that we take. Do we understand that? He said to them, if you love me, you will keep my instructions. So faith in Christ is not something that we did five years ago. It's something we have to do right now. And it expresses itself in every blessed moment. You see, your food was just eaten by your younger brother, your sister, or someone has owed you money and you need to collect it. And what do you do? You carry a stick and you hit their head, say you must pay my money today. In that moment, where's your faith? There's no faith there. So where's the salvation? In that moment, you are in captivity. True or false? You know, in that moment, you're in captivity to your anger. That moment is a micro edict. You see? True. And for you to come out of that place is for you to remember God. Right? And cry out in repentance and say, oh my God. See the words I just said. What's that? You need to cry out in that moment and say, oh my God. Look at the words I just said. See what I just did. That moment of repentance is when Moses appears and pulls you out of that micro-Egypt. Are we getting this analogy? Yes, sir. So, So, there are big Egypts in our life and there are little Egypts in our life. The little Egypts happen in different times throughout the day. And all those little, 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 little times, we need salvation. (laughs) Do you understand? This night, some of us will finish this course. Something will happen that will need salvation. (laughs) I'll be on my life. <laughs> you know. So stressful. <laughs> <laughs> because it's an ongoing thing. Creation is an ongoing process. It's something that is always happening, always happening, always happening, always happening. That's why the name that God gave to Moses was a very potent name because it was a name that was no name at all. That's why that name is so powerful. I will be what I will be. Undefined. That is the best way to define God. It's still a limitation, but it's better than all the other names that came before. It's better than the name Jehovah. It's better than the name Jehovah Sabaoth. It's better than the name Elohim. It's better than all those because it's not defined. You know, I will be what I will be. Because God himself is also always becoming, 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 becoming. You see, God is not stuck in one form. He's not stuck in one way. You know, once upon a time, a way might come. He will say, listen, man of God, tell the congregation that the men must dress like this. They should not have television in their house. The women must put turban in their hair. They must not wear earrings. They must wear long skirts. Yes, God could have said that. And that was for a particular time to achieve a particular work. 
But you see, the same God that said, wear that long skirt can tell them later, okay, stop wearing that. But when one is not following the movement of God, the ongoing creation, the ongoing process, they camp in the old. And they don't know when God has taken a new form, a new expression, telling them it's time to change. Have you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Huh? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I want someone to tell me what you understand. I just need, okay, two people. Let me know that we're having a conversation. Okay, so two people, tell me what you've understood so far. Who, who's going to go first? Okay, I want to say, I want to okay. say something. Okay, Miriam, go. Well, concerning the part of uh, dynamics, like in like human beings, how human beings are dynamic, there's something I used to say about how people that practice polygamy like mm. I'm taking it into the aspect of relationships now. People that practice mm. polygamy, people who are who are um who are promiscuous and everything lack understanding. Because what they're trying to do is to find different aspects in different people. They feel like if one person can only supply or can only fulfill one need or or show up in one dimension that they need. And every human being is so multifaceted, is so dynamic. In one person, there is locked up so much experience, different mm. um, pathways, different levels of becoming, different. There's so much potential in one person to become. And because they do not recognize that, they believe that for, to, for a particular need that they have, they need one person. And then they go to another for another need that they have. And then they just keep going around and around. And that hole is never filled. That space yes. is never filled. And concerning the finished works of Christ, the understanding that I have about it is that one, one of my teachers used to say, everything that Christ can do for you, he has done when he said it was finished. Now you do not, if you do not know, if you do not know to stand in that knowledge of what he has done, you will never express the things that he has done for you. Yes. Like how... 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 is a standing mathematical equation. But if they give four, four um, bars of silver to someone and you have no knowledge of mathematics and you're supposed to get 50% of what they give to someone, you would not know if you got cheated. You would not know that you got less than you're supposed to get. You would not know if you got more. You will just believe whatever they told you. So when you come into Christ, understanding that his works are done and finished, you now have to start figuring out, no, sorry, not figuring out, start learning what the works that he has done and finished are so that you can stand in them where you need to apply them and to express them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. That was fantastic. That was amazing. Beautiful. The finished work is finished work and it's a dimension that exists waiting for anyone who is willing to tap it. The question is, would you tap into it? Because people think, oh, it has happened. Yeah, then we think, okay, it's written that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him, whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The experience of that finished work is based on the belief in Christ. And as we always say, and we'll continue to say, belief in Christ is not the belief in, in a historical figure. It's not about holding the Bible 
or having the picture of a Caucasian man in blue and red robe in the house. Belief in Christ is the identification of yourself with the words that he spoke, with the teachings that he gave. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. What are these words? He said to them, all the commandment is fulfilled in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your understanding. And love your neighbor as yourself. And through different stories, he unfolded that little statement from the Good Samaritan to the, to the um, parable of the talent, to the, to the foolish virgin. He explained it through different things. These are the words he spoke about. We can't say we believe in Christ and these words that he spoke, we don't identify with them. That we don't believe because those very words are Christ. And that's why he said, why do you call me Lord, 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 and don't do what I say? Because the Christ is the words that he spoke. That is Christ. It's not the, the vessel. It's not the form. You can bow down. To, if Jesus Christ appears now, you can bow down to him if you want. But if the words he speaks are not carried out by you, that physical bowing down is of no value. And there are many people today. They can go to church. They are there. They will clean everywhere. They will bow down in front of the altar. They can even take knife and kill someone for Bible. But are they doing what he said? Where is the belief? They will swear to God that they are believers. But when you look at their actions, oh ye of little faith, where is the belief? It's nowhere to be found. Because the belief in Christ is the belief in the teachings that he gave. And that's why he said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Did we not study the story of the good Samaritan? The Samaritans were not Jews. They did not subscribe to the same religious structure as the Jews. But yet, Jesus Christ considered a Samaritan who exhibited the fruit of Christ more valuable than a high priest that did not. Do we get that? Do we get that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do we get that? We get that. Is what matters. Can I relate? Can I huh? ask a question? Relating that, can I ask a question? You relating can. that to our modern day life, does that mean that if a Christ, somebody who calls themselves a Christian but does not exhibit the fruits of, um, you know, Christ, but an unbeliever who exhibits the love, the joy, and the compassion, that Christ-like nature, is that the same thing then? Read Romans chapter 2 and see what Paul says about that. Paul said, a person who has never heard the gospel, but through his actions, are showing that the law is written in his heart. Such a person, those very actions he makes, are what will save him in the day of the Lord. And the one who heard, but didn't do, those things that he didn't do, will be the very things that will condemn them in the day of the Lord. Read Romans chapter 2. It's very clear that this is not something that one is even debate upon. It's there. It's not about, oh, I'm the, where is the fruit? Where is the fruit? Do you get what I'm saying? As all of us are here, I don't know some Christians that you will not allow to spend one night in your house. Let's be sincere. Tell me the truth, please. Jesus. Eh? <laughs> please, let's be real with ourselves. It's not my mouth. <laughs> Christian is not my mouth. You will run from them. <laughs> it's true. Because Christianity is not mouth. Is by nature, it's by fruit, it's by essence, it's by character. That is what defines it. It's not about what gowns you put on or what denomination, what culture. It, all these things, they don't mean anything. 
And that's what Jesus Christ was come to tell them. Because just like then, the Jews believed, oh, because I am born a Jew, this is what makes me better than everyone in the world. Ah, this, everyone else is filthy, blah, blah, blah. But you are doing even worse than them. And you are calling yourself better. Just like in the church today. I see a lot of people, Christians, are standing the, the Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, James. A lot of Christians so condescending, so condemning. Oh, yes, people are they all going to hell. Blah. But yet, you are the same Christian that you're calling yourself Christian. I'm still going to, I'll be driving, I'll see you in this place. So what are we talking about? Of what use is such Christianity? It's useless. That's why Paul was saying to them that your circumcision that you are claiming is what makes you a Jew is useless if your heart is not circumcised. If the heart is not circumcised, it doesn't matter what religion, all these things don't mean anything. You see, because all this religion is we that made these things. I'm telling you the truth. All this religion, race, clan, family, culture, we may all, to God, all these things, all these things are nothing. Where is the fruit? Are we following? The three wise men that came to meet Jesus Christ, were they Israelites? But yet, they, they, they protected him from Herod. Right? And they brought the same gifts that Solomon spoke out, spoke about in Songs of Solomon chapter 2, the gold frankincense of Mary, manifesting and materializing prophecy. Were they Jews? But yet, by their nature, by their character, by their act, they proved that they were Jews. Because to be a Jew is not associating with this or that culture. It's about the heart. And that's why Jesus Christ spoke to the, to the, to the Pharisees. And he said to them, you sons of Satan, you are not sons of Abraham. And they were so surprised because of the flesh, they are sons of Abraham. But Abraham is a spiritual archetype, is a spiritual principle, is, an, is a principle of one who has faith in the immortal Christ. And if you are not living that life, how can you say you're a son of Abraham? Because Abraham represents an essence. It's not a physical thing. To be a Jew is not a physical thing. That's why in the book of Revelation, it said, that 144,000 Jews came out of the great tribulation. Of course, the, a Jew is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. So those three wise men who were not from physical Israel, spiritually were Israelites in the most complete and perfect sense of the word. Because to be a Jew is a spiritual thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Fumi, your hand is raised. Yeah, sorry, I have another question. So remember when you were talking about words and how we as people, we express different things. You even said the Bible verse that we are a letter, right? And mm. I'm just thinking, because when you said we, the nature, right, the fruits is what expresses itself, then that means that there are Christians that even though with their mouth, they call the name of Christ, but their nature is not expressing Christ. And the unbeliever, even though they've never heard of Christ, their nature is expressing Christ. So can you now say that because their nature is, they are still testifying of Christ. So that is what will save them because they are still speaking Christ. They're just not doing it with their mouth. Of course, that's exactly what Paul said in Romans chapter 2. That's what Jesus Christ spoke about in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan. What do we think it means to believe in Jesus and call on his name? Do we think it's about lips? It's not about lips. Anyone can call with the lips. James said anyone, even demons believe in Jesus and they tremble, but where's the works? It's there in James chapter 2. Uh, even demons call his name. 
It's not about calling the name. Where is the manifestation of it? The works is in the actions, the things that we do. That's the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. He said, How, why do you call me Lord, 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 and not do what I say? A simple thing. Love your enemies. Forgive. That's an example of doing what he says. To believe in him, for him to be Lord, is to do that which he has said. Once you are doing that which he has said, this is the testament of the belief. But if one isn't doing it, how can, how, how can one be saved? Because we need to first understand what we're being saved from to understand what salvation is. Slavery, Egypt, looks like our anger. It looks like our malice. It looks like our vengefulness. That is slavery. And when we investigate the particulars of such things, we find that when we're angry, we can't control what we do. We are completely enslaved to that moment. That is what captivity looks like. For the fact that this is still exhibiting in the daily life, it shows that aspect of ourselves is still in prison. If we are doing things that keeps us in that place, how can we say that we're free? Where's the freedom? Is it freedom with mouth? It's not, where's the freedom? Do we get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, have so a, have a, a, huh? So I have a, have a question or a comment. So does that mean, does that, this kind of, what you're saying now, kind of explains when people talk about, you know, our, our great, great grandparents that never heard about Christ. So is this how, you know, we talk about judgment. This is how they will be judged in terms of they did the right thing. How does that, you know, how do you place that? So, like I brought, who, who can bring this Romans chapter 2 so that we can just know that it's Bible we're using here, you know. I think someone brought it, but there's a message. The comments. Communicate. two translations in the comments. Okay, there's two translations, okay. Um, um, let me find, the, uh, okay. So, Paul says, listen to the statement, very clear. For when Gentiles... Right? And Gentiles includes everyone outside of quote-unquote Christianity, Judaism, whatever. When Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, which is always... Wait, oh, man, today's not a day for us. See, look at... Oh. You know that we have today, we have touched on about five things that are independent topics of the, you know, but, but are we following though? I hope I, it's not be too much. I, I kind of have a question. I kind of have a question. Okay, Gideon, go ahead. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to understand a little bit more. Um, so in this day and age, for people who um, have the law written in their hearts, what if, you know, they portrayed the nature of Christ like, you know, the way we're supposed to, but they don't believe, you know, in Christ, will they still be saved? It's not possible. When we say believe in Christ, oftentimes we think of a historical personage. And this is the mistake that people make. And that's why they killed Jesus. Because people looked at God and used a physical form instead of the spirit, the principle, the nature. That's why they killed Jesus Christ then. And I tell you, with the move God is doing now, they will kill Jesus Christ again because it's going to come in a form that they can't recognize because they don't know the spirit. I'm telling you, in a time when what happened 2,000 years ago will happen and there are people that God is bringing out who will come and their appearance will look strange 
and the church will absolutely murder them because they don't know the spirit. Oh, so it's not about the, it's like if they do um, show the nature, it's not about the quote unquote belief in Christ. They, they have the nature. They're just showing it. I'm just trying to understand. I'm, I'm defining what belief in Christ means. When we say belief in Christ, we hold in our head a picture of a man with Caucasian hair, with blue and red robes. But Paul said, we no longer know anyone by way of the flesh. Even though we once knew Jesus Christ by way of the flesh, we know him thus no longer. This is in the Bible. Paul said that. That's why they hated Paul, because Paul was breaking all their structures. Paul was always talking about the internalization of the Christ. They were still trying to hold on to the form and structure and the old way of things. Paul was trying mm. to show them that it's within, you see? So I when see. we say believe in Christ, it's not about a historical figure that you can put a picture in your head. It's a nature that is eternal and consistent throughout the ages. And you see that nature in whoever. What someone you see it in them, that way he said, by their fruit you shall know them. And that's why Jesus Christ considered a Samaritan who exhibited the fruit of the Spirit more valuable than a high priest. And do, do, do we know what, a, in those days, do you know what a high priest is? A high priest was, whew, that's parable of the, of, the, of the Samaritan, my God. That was, in those days, that's absolute blasphemy. For you to say that a Samaritan is better than a high priest, I don't know, I'm surprised they didn't even kill him. <laughs> On that one statement. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. That Samaritan parable was, that was like, if I can liken it onto this time, if I say, if I say, uh, if I give a parable and I say maybe uh, one Fulani person from the north, I say he's better than Pastor Debo or something like that. That's what we can liken it onto. Of course, people are coming for your head. Is it a lie? They will kill you. If not with their physical hand, they use internet and kill you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? You know? So, so your question is important, Ihunaya Obi. What about preaching the gospel? We have to understand what it is, what it means to preach the gospel. Huh? You're in the supermarket. You want to purchase a particular good. There are three people on the queue. You can see that there are three people on the queue. And this particular lady only has one mind. She can only pay attention to one person per time. Now, she's paying attention to one person. She's not paying attention to you. You get impatient. You now abuse her. In that moment, you're preaching a kind of gospel. But what kind of gospel is it? On the contrary, if you are observant of that moment, you see, oh, this lady in the counter, she's presently overwhelmed. Let me be patient and let her attend to those two people before I will talk to her. In that moment, you have preached the gospel. Do you understand? Do we think it's only about standing and opening and quoting and this, all that is important. But if the character of your life is not teaching these things, then whatever gospel we have is of no use. Do we understand? Paul said, ye are letters of Christ to be read by all men because your life itself is a book. But what is it saying? If I, if I read you for one week, would I be transformed for good or would I enter into bondage immediately? I'm asking. These are questions we should ask ourselves. Mm, you know because we're all books what is it saying so the first gospel we preach is with our daily actions how are you treating your mom at home your father how are you treating your wife your husband 
How are you treating your daughter, your son? How are you treating your driver, your gardener, your cleaner? How are you treating them? Because what you are doing is a gospel. You are preaching something. But is it a gospel of darkness, of hell? Or is it a gospel of heaven and of liberation? Can people encounter you and just 10 minutes of your presence, they have a taste of heaven that they go home bewildered by the love they just experienced? What gospel can be greater than that? Do we understand? This is what it means to preach the gospel. Everyone, anyone can hold book. Book is not difficult. I hold book and talk. Anybody can hold book. But how many people are willing to sacrifice their pride, their pride to save their marriage? I'm asking, how many? Am I shaking tables here? Uh, <laughs> hey, there's no table brother, yes, marriage is for dead people. And the reason <laughs> we are, are failing is because too many people are alive in marriage. <laughs> I like that. That's so true, though. That's so true. Too many people are alive. <laughs> Yes. You see, they don't want to give up their pride. Irreconcilable differences. Okay, it's pride. It's not of, I mean, of course, let's not, I don't want to make light of some very dire marriage situations, but there's some things that are so easy to solve. A simple apology, but you say, ah, if I apologize to her now, ah, she, it would be like as if I'm the only one that made mistake now. She will now fight. Abby, guys, don't you know, don't we know this? We don't want to say yeah, sorry because we know that the moment we say sorry now, it would be as if you know, where you're completely guilty, you know? <laughs> a woman, they know how to do it very well. The moment you tell them sorry, that's when they will now flog the matter. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, sorry, El Shaka. Tell me. It's BJ. Hi. Um, tell me. There was something uh, you said, right? And hmm. I wanted to relate this with some, um, permit me to say stories in the Bible. Hmm. In the time of the Israelites, many years ago, hmm. before the coming of Christ, I think there were men like uh, Samson, hmm. David, Solomon, Joseph, right? Hmm. Hmm. Abraham, if we, if we want to go further. Um, these guys were, how would I put it, right? They were powerful men literally mm. and they played a big role in society mm. and a spiritual a spiritual role excuse me i'm coming sorry a spiritual role if you permit me to say now likening to this time that we live in presently is there a slight chance that god like god will still be ministering to these same people like in the same how i put it in words now uh the same journey as Joseph, mm. as David, as Solomon, as, of course, going back to Abraham. Is it slightly um, possible that God could be informing men on that same journey? Because basically, um, nothing is new under the sun, right? Everything of is course, of course. like a loop, if you permit me to say, right? So mm. it just... Going over time, the same system and pattern, if I may. Mm. Basically, is it possible? Because for me, the reason I'm asking this question is um, I have a strong opinion of, um, oh, let me say, let me start by saying I have an understanding that we're at war, mm. right? Mm. And this war is not physical. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood for spirituality and physicality. You get what I mean, right? 
sit in high places. My point basically, is it possible that the church can actually um, create a means to send this message directly to the people at the other side, basically? But anytime I ask this question, I always get an answer from people saying that uh, it shouldn't be the physical approach, which I accept and I agree. But is it possible for God to be ministering to some Benjamin, people? Benjamin, can I tell you something? Benjamin, yeah. you have been too safe. I want you to speak, speak it, speak, speak, speak it. Just I can see you are trying to hold back some things so that yes, speak I am honestly, because uh -huh. okay, uh -huh. speak plainly. I feel, Break, I yeah, I feel God is speaking to some of us as mm. He spoke to David, right? Mm. Um, the truth is, I told somebody if I'm to be president of Nigeria. The first thing I want to stop is or control is the internet firewall. Hmm. Are you there? I'm with you. The reason, the reason is because what we see affects the way we think. And that's what hmm. controls society. The internet controls society. That is hmm. solving one of our major problems in Christianity, literally. Because hmm. basically that is one of our biggest problems. Uh, secondly, I want to control the influencers. When I mean influencers, I'm not talking about the musicians. Those are, those are the popular influencers we have problems with. But I'm talking about the fashion designers, the people who tell you how to dress and appear. Hmm. I don't know if you get, this is like really tackling the issue as physically as possible for the sake of the spirituality. But then, I don't know, whenever I bring this up, I always feel like there is this narrative that, it, okay, it can't work like that anymore. This is the New Testament. This is the new phase we are running. You get me? And, and then, uh, come on, listening to you and telling me that, okay, Jesus Christ is coming again. And it's true, right? He's not coming in the same form he did last time, which, of course, you just gave me an eye-opening on that factor. I feel like, yes, God could still be speaking to people to actually run a race that David ran. Of course, Solomon ran. I don't know if you get my point. I'm with you. Literally. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you something, right? Please. When we say Old and New Testament as two different categories of books, is King James that created these two. It wasn't, Paul didn't call his books New Testament. Are you following what I'm saying? Wow. Paul didn't call it that. The rabbis didn't call their 66 books, the 39 books Old Testament. They called it the Torah and the prophets. To date, that's what they still call it. So this Old New Testament is something that King James gave. And that's why we think we're looking at two different narratives. But it's one narrative. Christ didn't come the first time 2,000 years ago. Who do we think Abraham was? Abraham was Christ. Who do we think Noah was? Who do we think Moses was? Who do we think Elijah was? Look at what they did. It was the same thing. And all of them died the same way. Because the Christ always comes to die. It always comes to sacrifice, to uplift the people. Always is the same principle. Who do we think Paul was? Paul was Christ. And that's why he told them. He said, anyone who rejects you has rejected me because that's Christ. Do you understand? Christ has been coming and he has been dying on the cross many times and he's still going to die today. Are you understanding? Wait, that story wait, talks about... Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Wait, literally, <laughs> Paul... Wow, this is mad, first of all. Wait, but first, Paul, I, I think Paul um, was existing, right? Before he encountered Christ. And then the transformation creates him, or, or the tra transformation permits us to now have a Christ in that generation. Is that what you mean? 
Of course, Christ is many people. That's why he was described as a voice of many waters in Revelation. You think he's one person? How can it be? Yes, a voice of many waters is many. Christ has always been many. You know, always he has been the one who was, is, and will be. Listen to what Jesus Christ said. He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Do you understand? When we talk about saw my day, it's not about a, a, it's, it's a spiritual sight. To see something is to partake in it. That's what it means when the Bible talks about to see. So when he said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced in it, Abraham experienced oh, yeah. this thing. Oh, I mean, get what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. You understand? Yes, confidence. Can you read? <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, I see yes. yes. <laughs> so, um, permit me to say, permit me to say, yes. okay, forgive me, but I don't know. That means we actually have Christ right now on this call, right? Blood of Jesus Christ. What do you think is happening here, my friend? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you know one thing, right? One thing is communication is. Uh, is key yeah yes literally i feel like um if we have a constructive way of passing informations like like deep informations like this right beyond the church because one thing you need to understand is all about marketing right uh <laughs> no it's true so just talking- one second guys guys are you seeing are you not seeing how this, you remember what i told you in the beginning of the conversation do you do you see how it relates to what this guy is talking about do you see? Yes. 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 Okay. Say something, Benjamin. Yes, please. All right. Okay. So you were talking about um somebody. Um, sorry, uh, a president. Yes. The arts expressions, basically. I like to say it's not a job for one person. It is why God in this time and season is not, he's working with like the times and the transformation in the times, the technology, the expressions, the arts, the media, the economy, the government. It is why he sits and said that the mountain of the world will be exalted above all the mountains because we are going to take them all. It is why he's building them, bringing them up to take over this, not just to take over them in their names and just to become prodigies and and fade away, but to take them over and overhaul systems and bring systems of God to place. Now, in our journey and in God building us and teaching us, we are becoming, it, it is Christ being expressed through us in the gifts and the callings and the dimensions that God has created and given to us. It is why El Shakar said that there are many Christ. Christ has been expressed through generations in many forms. He is one Christ in many forms, in many, like his spirit in many people. So now, let, me state, let me state now, let me state now, right? That though he has expressed in many forms, but there are degrees and degrees to it. Jesus Christ of Galilee is a person who embodied the Christ in the most complete sense of the word, more than anyone that has ever come before him. Do you Glory. understand that? Right? This is a fact. Oh, wait, but Moses was also a Christ. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Moses is also Christ. But wait, sorry to ask this question. Then, when you when you go, um, try to analyze the part of the Bible that talks about Jesus Christ coming, when um, who would I send? I'm here a lot sending, right? Hmm. It, it creates this image, right? I don't know what it says. Story we try to imagine the detail. It creates this imagination that um, Jesus Christ coming, like the one who died on the cross, is hmm. that Jesus? I mean, um, had more significance compared to we who are the other Jesus Christ. I think, and then um, I don't know. Maybe his significance was to uh, open a. a uh, an evolution whereby we are bought with the price and we are now, forgive me to say slaves. I, I don't know, but maybe say slaves. Let me tell you what uh, Jesus Christ brought. Okay. Moses brought Christ, okay? But he brought it to a particular dimension, right? To the dimension he himself experienced. That's why they said, Paul said, everyone who crossed the Red Sea was baptized into Moses. They're not talking about the literal Red Sea now because Red Sea is symbolic of something. It's symbolic of the order that Moses brought. When they said these people know the baptism of John, the Baptist, that speaks of the order, the dimension that John brought, which is something, but it's not up to what Jesus of Galilee brought. But what Moses brought is still fantastic. Do you get my point? It's still fantastic. I don't think, I've not personally met anyone, well, I won't say that, no, but commonly, how many people have you seen in the world that are open, that are public, that are on the dimension of someone like Moses? Do you, do you see it? Where, can you point it anywhere? How much more someone like Jesus in that dimension is reached? I, I, if we know the, 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 the hierarchies of this thing, we'll be trembling before we even call that guy's name because with the way people call Jesus' name and talk anyhow, if they really understand who that man is and what he attained will be very scared. You can't appreciate someone until you see his boys. Moses is a boy compared to Jesus, but we do, are we, do we know where Moses reached? Why do you think that he was... <laughs> Why do you think that the Jews of that time, they were flabbergasted that he could talk about Abraham like that? Because they knew what Abraham was. They knew the dimension he attained. I can liken Abraham to Mark Zuckerberg, Right? But Jesus is Jeff Bezos. But Mark Zuckerberg is something. Do you get my point? Yeah, this is how we can understand it. You know? Um, Amos, sorry, uh, these are... Uh, sorry, what do you say? Okay, speaking on what this... Uh, I, don't, I don't know the lady who spoke up um, before you, you came Was up. me. Uh, okay, the name is... Sorry, I, I don't know the name. I'm sorry. Sorry? Mariam. Okay, Miriam. Uh, um, speaking on that presidency, right? When you said yeah. um, it's not a one-man job, I totally agree with you, right? And I think that, that's why I, I'm still trying to like reach out to some people. Benjamin, it is why the Bible says that we do not jostle for ranks. We run in this place. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. I think... <laughs> Each in his own dimensions, each in his own capacity, each in his own powers. See, the medium of communication is above the internet. It is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. He exists every. What do you? What What is the internet compared to? He who is everywhere, in everyone who will accept him at every time. You said something just now. Who will accept him? Which that that's the first thing, right? 
And one yeah. thing I've noticed about marketing, forgive me, is I present something to you and consistently it appears to you and I find a way to entice it for you to see, right? Then you dive into it and then the more you stay in it, the more you grow in it. I don't know if yes. you get my point. What? Digital marketing. Let me, let me say something. Let me say something, guys. Let me say when we study history, right? When we study history, there's something we notice that is a trend, you see. Nations that are very powerful, they are very afraid of the masses becoming conscious of the power they have when they come together. That's why any leader, any, go and check how they did it. They always made it, make sure that they divided people, you know, divide and conquer. Because when they all come together, how many people are in the oligarchy? They are only a small minority. If the masses come together, they are 10 times stronger than them, you see? So power is not really at the top. Power is at the bottom, if you understand. And that's why Jesus Christ came to wash the feet, to tell people, hey, you think power is at the top? This is where the power really is. It's at the base. It's at the foundation because the bottom is really the top. And the top is really the bottom, you see? So real change is very possible because life is not rigid. God can really... Put a person in presidency and all the, but it doesn't need to. It does not need to be that way. Look at what is already happening. There is power within the in in the hands of the people. If everyone can, why do you think they killed Martin Luther King? He was a big problem because he showed the minority, the masses, how much power they have when they come together. The people in power don't like that because they know that power is at the base. They know it. It's we that don't know it. You see, we think it's until we enter that chair that power comes. No. All leaders in history have always known that power is at the base, and that's why they want to keep people divided. Do you understand what I'm saying? Huh? So if there's any kind of real and effective change that will happen, it will happen in the place of the masses coming together to do things. We don't need to regulate laws. and Honestly, we don't need to do all those things. If from the grassroots, we can begin to tackle ideologies and mindsets, because it's a broken mindset that creates a broken system. If we're fighting the system, we're missing the point because things, first of all, begin in spirit before they happen in the flesh. And in this regard, I'm speaking of spirit as the, as the mind of a people. If the mind is broken, you know, if the mind is broken and we don't tackle the broken mind of the masses, they will keep on producing broken things. So if we want to build the, 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 the masses and build the, the my goodness, there's so much chatter going on in the chat box. I'm so distracted. Whoa. So what we first of all need to do is shift ideologies, you know, which is primarily what we've been talking about, you know, the change of mindset. When the mindset changes, the people, because as we're here now, let's look at us, the 76 of us in this present call now. As a, as a representation of the whole planet. In this call here, there are people who are architects, there are people who are doctors, some are lawyers, some are graphic designers, some are um, um, coders, uh, different occupations. If all of us in this call are a representation of the whole world and our mindset starts to transform for the better, for the good, won't that transform mindset express itself through our various vocations? I'm asking. Exactly, it's all about the mindset. The mindset is the foundation. Yeah, it's all about the and mindset. that's why 
Exactly. And that's why people are afraid of those who can speak to the mind of the people. Because once you can tweak their mind, whoo, that's dangerous, boy. That's why Martin Luther King had to die. Of course he had to die because he was making these people's mind change. These people were slaves. They were, if we knock their head, they would lie down on the ground. All of a sudden, someone is telling them that you can stand and fight. Who is Malcolm X? Where are you going to come? Boy, you're dead. They'll kill him. Because everything begins in the mind. When there's a mindset shift, consequently, everything that, because everything physical, first of all, begins in spirit. And in this sense, we can call spirits the mind, your imagination. If your imagination can be tweaked, if the imagination of a country, can, like this whole, understand, this whole riot thing that happened, I'm telling you something. What God wanted to achieve is not answers. No, 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 it's not about, that's not what God wanted to achieve. To be honest with you, what God wanted to achieve was achieved four days after we went into the street. Everything else was just extra. What did he want to achieve? A mindset shift in the people to become more conscious and participative of their nation. To let them see, this is your land. You can't mess it up. This is where you are staying. You need to take responsibility for this place that you're in. To get people to understand that God cares about Nigeria. You can't ignore it. You can't escape and say, I'm going to go to Maldives or France or whatever. That was the awakening he wanted to achieve in the minds of the people. And he achieved it. It doesn't look like it now, but I'm telling you, people's minds are different. And there's another wave that is coming. Write it down. Another one is coming and it's going to even burn even bigger. Because as, as it's silent now, people's minds are brewing for the right things. Etienne has already come. I'm telling you the truth because it begins in spirit and has already been initiated. You know, even all this Trump and everything that's happening, it's not about all these things. I'm telling you the truth. All this Trump, we're beating all this. See, God is a game player. I'm seeing the games that God is playing. It's all games. All God is doing is just to get people to be more conscious of all these things and to teach the church how to unify in a particular direction because there are a lot of much bigger and important moves that it's going to do in the future that all this activity that's happening now was already created the foundation for it. So it's beyond all these things that we're seeing. God is, anyway, you know, <laughs> so. Barrow. <laughs> Barrow. <laughs> My God, how did we get here? Jesus is lost. Yay. It's Benjamin. Benjamin, don't talk again. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> so um, Amos, talk to me. Um, good evening, sir. Um, I wanted to ask concerning the part where you said um, we are all Christ. Then I wanted to ask what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. Because if you look at Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, when they were all leaving the earth, like their physical, their mortal bodies, you know, it wasn't found. You know, um, I think the angel had to wrestle with Satan over Moses' body and um, Elijah got carried away by, you know, the chariot of fire and Jesus, you know, ascended to heaven. So I just wanted to ask what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, like bringing it in the context of like we are all Christ. So, you know, what you have asked is, uh, like, like I said, right, this conversation really is a seed plot. You know, a lot of, we're going to use all these things to build solid structures. So I'm very careful about answering, especially those kind of questions that are very robust without the time to properly build a structure for you, you know. But fundamentally, I want us to remember this scripture in the Bible. 
Jesus Christ said, I was hungry. You did not clothe me. Or you, you didn't feed me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Have you, have you seen that scripture before? And then I, then I asked him. Then I said, Lord, when were you hungry and we didn't feed you? When were you naked and we didn't clothe you? He said, to the very least that you didn't do this for, you didn't do it for me. So that very statement lets every one of us know that fundamentally, the material by which every single one of us have been fashioned is Christ. And this is the explanation we're giving of Barath. He is the rock from which every single one of us have been carved into existence. Do we understand? Yes. Huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I love you it. Know? Yes. You see how we're still back. We've not left the plot. We're still in the plot. It's still in the circle. It's just yeah. a very big circle. You know? you know? The question, however, are we conscious of our identity in Christ. Now, that's what the difference is. Because majority of us are asleep, at least to significant degrees. Because you are asleep to the degree to which you do things that are detrimental to you and to your environment. You are awake to the degree to which you do things that are of a benefit and, of, and, of, and uplifting to your environment. So yes, everyone is Christ, but are you conscious of it? If you're unconscious of it, you're going to find yourself in the fire. That's the way it is. So that I'm saying everyone is Christ does not mean that, oh, no, no, because we've always been that way. But do we know it? Paul stood on Mark's hill in the book of Acts chapter 17, and we say it a lot. He wasn't speaking to, to Christians. He wasn't speaking to Jews. He was speaking to Romans who were sons of Aphrodite. And he said to them, in him you live, move, and have your being. He's not far away from you. And since you are offspring of God, why don't you return to God and repent? That's how the scripture goes. Why was he calling people who were not Christians, sons of God? Did we think about that? Do you understand? They were sons. They were all offspring so, of God. They all sorry, came out of him. Huh? Sorry, I didn't get that. I, so in I, Acts chapter 17, verse 25 to 30, Paul was on Mars Hill speaking to the Romans at that time, who weren't Christians, who weren't Jews. They were Romans. They were not even part of the religion. But he spoke to them and said, in him you live, move, and have your being. And since you are all offspring of God, repent and turn to your father. That's what he said to them. They weren't Christians. But the fact that they were not Christians or they were not conscious of their identity in God does not mean they were not sons of God. They were just sons who had forgotten who they were. Ignorant of their identity. Unconscious to their true nature. And when one is unconscious, this is what it means to be in Egypt. This is what it means to be in slavery. And they're suffering with it. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, an heir, still but a child, differs not from a slave, even though he be owner of all things. But he's put under tutors and guardians until the time appointed by the father. An heir, still but a child, differs not from a slave. You see? So one can be an heir to the kingdom, but still a slave. Why? Because one is still a child. One is ignorant of their heritage. One is ignorant of who they are. Are we following? Yes, sir. Huh? Are we following? Yes, sir. So when I say that we're Christ, yeah. I'm not saying that, oh, no work needs to be done. On the contrary, there is so much work that needs to be done because all the things that we've been doing for the past many years shows us how ignorant of that identity we are. And all that is happening now is to wake us up. And being awake is evidenced by the actions that we make 
the decisions we take, the things we do, the things we say, that is a testament of whether we're asleep or awake. So saying um, Christ is not about the mouth. It's not audio, you know. It's about the nature that comes out of you. So this is fundamentally what we're speaking about. Moses was an individual to a significant degree who became conscious of his identity in God. And that manifested in him being a son. He was a son. I mean, S-U-N, light. He was a son. And just like we see a solar a son, planets dance around it. Same with Moses. The Israelites were like planets dancing around him. You get what I'm saying? It's the same principle. And it gives light, you know? Ezekiel was a son. Jeremiah was a son. You know? Ezra was a son. Hezekiah was a son. All to different degrees. Jesus was a son. You understand? The reason why he has a name greater than every other name, because he entered into, he went beyond all names. He entered into what is called the absolute, the nothingness. But there are other names which are unbelievably potent. My goodness, there are other names. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's yes, why the book of Acts, it was written that when those brothers who went to try and cast out demons, they said, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, the demon said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? You know, who are you? There are names in the, in the realms of the spirit. And a name speaks, ah, but this is not something we're supposed to talk about today. Anyway, a name speaks of a class, a dimension of attainment, a realm of awakening, a state of being. That's what a name represents, a dimension of authority. For example, I can say in the military, in the military, names are um, field marshal, uh, major general, commander, uh, brigadier general. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are what we can call names. A name is a class. You know, is a class of authority, is a, a dimension of existence. And many names do exist inside of God. But Jesus of Galilee attained a name beyond all names. And that's why his baptism is the most potent. But that doesn't mean the baptism of Moses is nonsense. How can we say that? How? It's not from the baptism of Moses that Jesus Christ sprung out. It's not from there that John came out. Do you get what I'm saying? Do we understand? Yes, sir. Uh -huh. Yes. So this is how things progress yes. like that. So everyone comes with their degree of awareness, degree of consciousness. And when they bring in each day and time, in each era, there are people that God sends for each time who come with a dimension and expression of him. And just like Moses, when they say you're baptized into Moses, people were baptized into Paul. People were baptized into Peter. It's just that principle. It's not about being baptized into Paul as a person. It's being baptized into the, di into the dimension from which he operates. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. He appears to bring Wait, that so realm of God. Again, please. So I said that in the Bible, it's written. Paul said, do you not know that all those who crossed the Red Sea were baptized into Moses? And we also see how they talk about how Apollos was baptized into John, you know? When they talk about being baptized into a person, they're not talking about a particular individual per se. They are speaking of the dimension of God that that person attained and has brought to the world. Because that person is like an update. is the new update, the new iOS. 
It doesn't mean iOS 12 was bad. It was good, but now 13 is here, which is better. Now everyone needs to baptize into 13. Do we get that? Yes, yes. Aha. Uh -huh. So that's how it yeah. always is. There's always updates, always new iOS, like that, like that, like that. So Moses brought an iOS. Elijah brought an iOS. Hezekiah brought an iOS. Paul, of course, Paul brought an iOS. Look at what he brought. It's very... Paul turned the whole Hebrew tradition into Greek. Literally, he translated all the Hebrew things into Greek. Even Jesus Christ, is that his name? That's not what he was called in Hebrew. He was called Yahushua Mashiach. Do you know? Paul called it Jesus Christos. Well, Paul and a group of people, you know, the Nicene Council, but that's besides the point, you know. Jesus is the update, you know. So this is how things progress from form to form. This is not, this is the, everything I've explained is still part of Bara, it's still the unfolding, the continuous creation is the movement, the growth, the will within the will, exactly. You know? So, man, we've touched on a lot of things. My God, how am I going to write this study guide for us, man? Jesus. So. <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> Love you, man. Yes, great. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Oh, yeah, your hand has been raised up. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. I'm sorry. I missed out on a couple of things because um, my phone was having problems. Um, when we come into awareness of, like, the person from which we were carved, which is Christ, how do we, like, how do we ask for help to begin to walk in his nature and like know it is not works, if that makes sense? Does, that, does my question make sense? Yes. Fundamentally, everything begins with a desire for God, right? And that very desire that you have is something that came as a result of God desiring you. Your desire is as a result of you becoming aware of his desire for you. Because God always desires you, but you didn't know it. Because it's a, it's a relationship. That's why Christ is called the husband and you're the bride. It's a romantic relationship. It's a marriage, you see. And he's always desiring you. But you didn't know it. You are asleep to it. The moment you start to become aware of it is when you start to desire him. Say, I want to know him more. Now, when you say you want to know him more, the first thing he will give to you are rules. Okay, don't talk like this. That he has given you the rule does not mean the nature has entered your heart. The rule is to create an atmosphere for that nature to begin to unfold out of you. Because the moment God tells you, hey, don't shout at your sister, that's when you see how much of shouting you want to do to her. You will now realize how much anger you are having inside of you. You now realize why you are so bitter. And you start to realize a lot of things. Is that realization that gives the opening for Christ to come in and heal you? Because if you don't know that you are sick, you can't be clean. So it first of all begins by you obeying the rule or instruction that he gives to you. It's not about fulfilling it. Moses didn't give the law for people to fulfill it. He gave it to them to fail. They were supposed to fail. That's the whole point. So that they fail and realize that they are failures. It's only when you realize that you're a failure, then you can call for God to help you. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Not really. You don't understand. Okay. 
let me okay, yes. the thing is that what you're saying is that so if you ask to get the nature of christ god will give you kind of a guideline and then you try to follow the guideline and then you fail so that you can ask for help after you have failed so that you can realize that you are not whole you don't know you're not whole a lot of us here we think that we're perfect we think we're so great people that's the truth wait but then, if you didn't realize that you weren't whole then why would you ask why would you ask for the nature of christ in the first place you're making it too you're thinking about it too linear it's not it's much more it's not as linear as that you know it begins with the desire but huh that sometimes we start to feel like we have to be a certain level of grown or a certain level of perfect to transcend into the nature of christ no we don't have to it starts from right here now you know but the moment one says, I want to follow God, the first thing that happens, rules come. Oh, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't do this. And it's when he says, don't do this, you realize how much you really wanted to do this. Right? That's when you now see your slavery for yourself. It's in that moment of you discovering that this was really a slavery that you can truly cry for liberation. And that's when liberation starts to come. Okay. Okay, now how does liberation come after you cry for liberation? All right. So like we discussed, it's still relating with this concept of bara. The new nature unfolds from inside out. You know, I heard of a story once of a man who grew up in, um, in America in the 60s. And growing up, um, he was told that black people are trash, you know, they're nothing. These people, if you see them, spit on them, beat them, he was told they're trash, you know. So he grew up with that mindset. Never encountering a black person before, but his parents just told him black people are trash, you know. So he had that mindset until one day he was on a bus and he happened to sit beside two black people. This was in the 60s now. And they told him how they have to go two, three miles to use a toilet because the toilet in the city is white only. And they were communicating to him what they face as people. When he sat down in front of this human being, seeing it for himself, he just broke down in tears. That moment that he sat down and actually saw the truth of these people, it produced a new nature inside of him. This is how transformation happens. It's very hard to put it in words because you're asking me to put something in words that you can't really put in words. Transformation is something that arises inside of you in the moment of discovery. You have to feel it. I can't explain it. You have to shout at your sister and after shouting, something in you says, ah, for me, what did you do? That's the light. Do you get what I'm saying? In a sense, yes. I think, are you talking about that aha moment when, you know, that light bulb comes off in your head? Yes. So you see, it's not an intellectual thing. I cannot communicate intellectually. You have to have experienced it to know what I'm saying. It's something that happens in the moment. But the reason why laws are given is to give you, is to restrict your vision so that you can see what you didn't see before. Because it's only by seeing it that that light can unfold, you have to really see that this is bad. 
And that's why they'll give you a law, say, don't do this, don't do that. Because when you, when you actually try not to do it, that's when you can start to see things for the first time. And it's that sin that allows that nature that is inside of you to just come out. There are people who were killers for, for many years. And one day they just killed a particular person and they looked in his eyes. And when they looked in the eyes, they just broke down and cried. And they, 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 whew, that's the unfolding of the light. It's, I can't put it in words. It's something you have to experience for yourself. Um, I, don't was, come huh? in here. I don't know if I can come in here and just like say something. So, okay, go ahead. Um, so yesterday, I think it was yesterday, after we'd had the conversation about um, heaven being inside of us during in the afternoon and everything, mm. I was on my way home in the evening and I had like a near accident situation and mm. when you get home down from the car and started like speaking to me I lost my temper and I said something mm. that I shouldn't have said mm. now immediately that I said that and this is me after in the morning we've been doing chats in the telegram group and saying wow heaven is inside of us and everything mm. and in the evening I was basically exhibiting a nature that I shouldn't be exhibiting and the moment that I said that I realized that I had said something wrong and I tried to like calm down and like be a bit nicer but it was too late because I'd already said what I said now when mm. I got back into my car I felt very bad and very guilty for what I said and it just like mm. stayed with me all the way home until I go home. And, I, and then I began to realize that I should have done better. So this was now my mm. growing point. Me realizing mm. that I should have done better. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. And yeah, so I don't know how to explain that, but I feel like that comes into where you're saying that if you've prayed and asked God to help you to grow and to be more, um, to be a better person, how then does that come from? So, yeah. Exactly. And that kind of moment, for growth to continue, you have to hold on to it. It's not enough to have felt it. You have to obey what you have felt. Do you get what I'm saying? When you feel that repentance, you have to obey it. And that repentance can tell you to apologize. The moment you apologize, in that instant, something has changed in you. Something has died and something has resurrected. Do you understand? For me, do you get it? I think so. So after you've realized kind of the fact you that have after you realize, sorry, you have to act. Is that act that brings the liberation? You have to act. Okay, okay. If I if I'm understanding you, you realize uh-huh. how um let's say dirty you are, right? Mm-hmm. And then you are filled with remorse, right? Mm-hmm. And then going forward, now that you are aware of this and you want to change, you now start making steps to change. Is that it? Yes, but. All those steps are not the real change. Those are just laws you create to make change happen. The change happens in the moment you feel that repentance and you act on it. Because you enter slavery when you feel your anger and act on it. True or false? It's always the act that enslaves or liberates you. Always the act is in that moment. You see? So the moment you feel that repentance and the repentance is telling you to say sorry for what you have said, say it. Because the moment you say it, that's when the transformation happens. That's why Jesus Christ spoke to the Pharisees. He said, bear fruits of repentance. Repentance needs substance. It has to have substance. You can say you've repented, but you are still bearing the fruits of someone that is unrepentant. You see? Repentance must have fruit. It has to have expression. Even if it's just a little modicum. That little modicum is change. 
That's when the transformation is happening. You can go to too many classes, say, practice this, but all these are just rules to narrow your vision, to prepare you for that moment where change will happen. And it's always based on a decision that you make. You have to act. It was not an act that brought Adam out of the garden. Huh? Yes. I'm asking. Uh-huh. So the same thing yes. that brought him out is the same thing that will take him back in. It's simple. So that's how one comes out of all these things. Is in that moment, you know, you realize, ah, hmm, this place, I've seen it. You get up and you get out. That getting up. And, and that's why they, they used to do altar calls. I want you to understand. There's always a deeper, there's always, there's a truth to every system people have built. It's just that when they forget the reason why they built it, it becomes dogma. Why they did altar calls is to create a reaction psychologically. You are sitting down, right? If I tell you, get up and come and kneel at the altar and give your life, it does something to you psychologically. Do you get what I'm saying? Just like when they tell you, dress yeah. well to church. It's supposed to create in your mind that reverence for God. It's not about the dressing well. It's what that putting on clothes is supposed to do in your mind. But now we're in a time where that thing has now become nonsense. So now we're in a time where God is now making people to now wear T-shirts because we have to undo that mindset <laughs> that we think you can. This is, are you seeing what I'm saying? These are symbols. These are how things change. Now, by the time people wear yeah. T-shirts, it's not become a thing of pride. Say, yeah, I'm, I'm holy because I went here to church. God did not say, oh yeah, wear your best suits. That's how it's always been. Are you getting what I'm saying? But these are things yeah. we explain much better in time. But you know, these are things change. So there's a purpose behind everything, you know. So the moment you feel that compassion, you know, for example, someone comes and asks you for something, and you don't have much money, or you don't have much of that which is being asked of you, but you just feel that compassion. In that moment, you feel that energy that's prepared to empower you to make that sacrifice. The moment you listen to it, that's liberation. You have just walked one step out of greed and selfishness. That's how to come out. But when you feel it, but you don't act on it, you stay in prison. You know. It wow. like those Israelites too. Yes. So it's not enough to feel it. The feeling is that energy that is present. That's Christ. He's telling you, listen to me now. I have the fuel ready for you to jump. Will you jump? Will you jump? If you don't jump, you stay there. But once you feel it, that feeling tells you that the fire is present to move you, but will you listen? That's the question. That was sometimes you find that if in, in moments, I don't know if any of us have been there, but maybe we're arguing with someone and we just feel repentance. And when we follow that repentance, no, it doesn't matter whatever that person says after, we will just keep quiet. And we just find that we have strength to go through the moment. And has Our anyone parents. had that before? Yeah. yeah. You know. And this is how it is, you know. Okay, so, I think I, I understand you now. I think in that moment, when you feel that repentance, right, and you act on it, you are unfolding that light. You're creating, you're exactly. feeding your inner Christ, right? Exactly. And it's growing. Uh, and it's now when feeling... people don't answer that voice, they shut down that voice. That is them uh -huh. hardening their hearts. Uh-huh. Now you see why like, Joseph um, said, I've had food to I'm eat that you to... don't know of. Yeah, go yeah. on, Joseph. Um, um, I, ju I just remembered 
um, one one entry in in my journal, like I think many years ago. Mm. It was like it was the fastest prayer that I had answered. Hello. Okay. I'm here. I'm here. The fastest prayer I had answered. So, just to cut it short, I was on my way to um to a sports shop to buy a, a, some cans of tennis balls, and mm. the, all the money I had on me was like three thousand something, two thousand something. So, on my mm. way there, I was in a taxi. I now told God, Lord, please show me who I would help today. In the space of in the space of 30 seconds, the, the taxi failed and he parked and he had to park. We all had to come down. And while I came down, I saw a man across the road and, and he walked up to me and he and he just told me his problem that he wanted to get family on the boat and they were they were supposed to cross the sea and he didn't have money and he had some injuries. And I looked at him and it, it, it was just so on it was just so uncanny that less than 30 seconds after I prayed that prayer, Lord, show me who I help, who I will help today. All this thing just happened in the space of one minute, mm. and I gave him and I and the money I had the money I had on me was strictly for that purpose to go and buy those balls. And mm. I just brought the money that I gave it, and I gave it all to him. And I just at that moment I felt this burden completely lift from my shoulders. It was like mm. I could see lights. <laughs> it was like I could see lights, and I had to walk back home. But it, it cut the Long story to cut the long story short, it was it was a truly liberating moment and yeah, liberating experience and <clears throat> it was great. It was really really great. And when you were talking about this, I just remember that journal um, entry that I talked about the fastest prayer I ever got that, that I ever had answered, and it was so it was wonderful. <clears throat> Wait, hold on, hold on, Miriam. So that you see that story, right? No matter when people hear that story, they are waiting for a climax of when God gave you 10 times more. But they don't realize that that 10 times more you actually got was that liberation you felt that made you comfortable enough to walk home after what you did. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. That was the liberation. Yeah. That's the wealth. That's the life. That's, that's, yeah. that's the reward, actually. You know? Sure. And sure. it's that nature that has developed in you that will attract any other thing that will bless you. True. Because it's what is inside of us that brings what to bless us or what to curse us. So if inside of you is jargons, you are going to attract jargons. So the real thing is that nature that becomes born inside of us when we True. obey the spirit. Is that which attracts beautiful things to us. So that's the real wealth. Is that character in us? It's not the wealth on the outside. You know. Yes, so I just wanted to just... because. I, I, I don't want to let that moment pass to think that that moment was something little. It's beautiful to have yes. done that and walk home happily. That's liberation. Yes, sir. So, so, sir. Um, yeah. Hold on. Confidence has been up since. Confidence is oh, already sir. beating me from here. So let's just let confidence see what she can say. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, just to expand further on what uh, I don't know who the lady was that you know you wonderfully answered her question i mean first of all i've been raising my hand for a very long time now like you like mm. rightly said some days ago a week ago when i was reading one of your blogs and you talked about or was he i think i was listening to the podcast i can't remember you talked about you know when you you, you can't even allow people to talk without wanting to interrupt and you know <laughs> you, you remember that blog? Oh, and, you know, it, 
comes from a, there's a place of pride and of self, you know, there's a way you put it that day, and that day I felt such shame when I was mm. reading it. I was like, ah, confidence. This is you. You just want to talk. You can't wait for the next person to finish for you. And it's not because out of disrespect. It's just out of, oh, I have something to say. What I want to say is so important, you know? Mm. And when my hand, I raised my hand intentionally because you know what? There's something you also said a couple of days ago is when you ask God for something, he would create situations where you now have to apply yourself. He will not just give it to you. He will create an environment where you can either choose to remember him or continue in the flesh. And so I've been intentionally, you know, trying to do the same, not just trying, doing the same. I've failed. Sometimes I, I really just want to say something. But this time around, like three or four people have spoken after I raised my hand. I said, no, I will not, I will not, I will not just blurt it out because I want everybody to think when you're going to ask then if you see my hand, no wala. If he doesn't see my hand, no problem. But in answering my prayer, God created situations where I had to keep my mouth shut and allow mm, other people. Mm, and in that, mo- that is where my liberation came. That is, yes, yes, that is. Yes, yes. And then there was another time, a couple of months ago, when the coronavirus first started. I went out, and I was mm. in the public vehicle, and the the driver. Did something very annoying, and I mm. blasted mm. this guy for something that was so little. I had probably ten grand in my my wallet, but for fifteen naira, the things I said to this guy. <laughs> when everything was done, I got home. I felt such shame, and I was talking to my friend. I was like, oh "God, if that was the only opportunity this guy had to see Jesus, I I stole it from this." <laughs> And I was, I was almost in tears at the point. I was like, God, have mercy on me. Help me to let go of this anger, this rage, you know, this pride, this, you know, feeling like I'm something when I'm nothing. You, the way God answered that prayer, this was something I have like about nine months ago. Several scenarios he kept creating, scenarios where I should be angry and say all manner of rubbish. And when I will remember that situation, I'll say, oh, God, <laughs> this is the opportunity. <laughs> opportunity for self-control. So every single time you portray a, na- a nature that is not of Christ and you seek him and say, oh, help me, you come to that realization, oh, I'm dirty or something is wrong with me. You, there's a prognosis. And, you know, you understand. Then what he will do to answer that prayer is to allow Satan to come to you in various forms, and it is now left to you to either remember God or continue in the flesh. The moment you remember God, the acting is when you receive that liberation, and it is such a beautiful experience. So, yeah, I hope that this helps. Thank you. Amazing, amazing. You see, and that, that really is. That Thank you. You know, so in this moment, I was certain for you without even knowing. You know. By, by just... in my by <laughs> chest for not biting me, I was like, keep quiet, coffee, just keep quiet. <laughs> you know, and if you study the Bible, you see when Jesus Christ himself took the role of Satan, when he would say things to the Pharisees that would burn their heads, you know. In those moments, if they remembered God, that thing he says to them is supposed to bring repentance in their hearts. And the first time we see it happen was when he said. Let he that is without sin be the first to cast a stone. What happened? 
in that moment, that statement brought repentance to all of them, and all of them left one by one. Because for that, that one statement he made allowed them to see their dirt. But other times, when he dropped hammer on their head, tell that you are sons of Satan, Woo! They, they wanted to kill him. <laughs> you know. So he said, you brood of vipers. <laughs> you know? So yeah, this that was just a beautiful, God bless your confidence. That was that was a that was a beautiful um representation of what is being spoken about. Beautiful. God bless you for that. That was amazing, you know. Yeah, God will present you with an environment, a situation, a moment to help you. So this moment was there to help you. You say, God, I want to be patient. He will send something to help you for that patient. I remember one time I went to the supermarket to go buy um some fish stuff, you know. And I got there and I stood at the, in front of the, the, the fish tree. And the guy who was supposed to be cutting the fish, he was arguing with someone, that person. The next thing he left, you know, he left as I was standing there. The, there's one Indian man that was beside me. After like five minutes, he got so mad. He started going to kind of shout at everyone, this, this. As I saw him, I realized what God wanted me to teach in that moment. God wanted to teach me patience. So you know what I did? I just stood there. I mean, I didn't have anything doing that day. So I, it's not like I, was, I had some work or whatever. So I just stood there. And I stood there for 30 minutes for waiting for that fishery guy to come back. And he came back. And what happened? He started to cut another person's fish. And I stood there for an extra 10 minutes. And I got my fish. And I left there happy. And as I walked out of the supermarket, I said, wow, that was just a moment of freedom because I had the strength to do something that on a normal day I would not have done because in that moment I just remembered God and I saw that that circumstance was an opportunity to help me to develop patience. Assuming I forgot God in that moment and I started to shout, lose my temper, I have wasted that opportunity and I would, I would not have grown there. So this is how God gives us different opportunities. We don't know that's a blessing he's given to us. When you bring someone that is coming to ask to collect from you, that's, a, is, that's the moment God is trying to bless you. He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. In that moment, he wants to bless you because you see, what makes you blessed is that nature inside of you that develops when you do something according to the will of God. That's the blessing. It's not whatever money, all these things, are, these are not, this is secondary. The primary blessing is that nature of God that unfolds inside of you, you know. So yeah, um, Ore, your hand has been off for some time. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so, so, so one second. I'm... Sorry, okay. could someone post the link to the um, Telegram group for kids for those who want to join? Someone should post the link to the Telegram group on the chat, please. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, um, Ore. Thank you so much. Um, so in light of everything that you said, there's a scripture that keeps coming to mind, but it's still it's mm. not making sense to me. The scripture is that when Paul was, was saying that let this mind be in you that was mm. in Christ. Mm. The thing that's like making my head go somehow, somehow is the was part. Like, isn't that mind still in Christ or where did it go? Um, yeah, that's just what I want to ask. So that's your question. Yes. So in that regard, Paul was just speaking generally about the physical person that appeared who everyone at that time knew about. He's saying that same mind that made him do all those same things, let that same mind be present inside of you. 
Because that's what we're explaining here, that every single one of us are supposed to be Christ. And that's why he said that exact mind that made him love to the point of death is the same mind that we're supposed to have. But we must understand that death has different kinds of manifestations and forms. It doesn't have to be that you're killed physically. It could be that your patients will die today, and that's a kind of death. That's a cross, you know. It could be that your time will die today, and that's a kind of death. That's a kind of cross. It could be that your skill, your expertise that you have, you put it to sacrifice to do something good for a person. That's a kind of death, you know. But do we die those deaths every day is the question. So when we talk about death, when they hear death, they think it's time to die. And see, that's, that's what it means to be a martyr, you know. That's why in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 3, when God said, listen to me, Satan is going to throw you in prison for 10 days. But if you remain faithful unto death, you shall receive the crown of life. Isn't that madness? Think about that. If you look at it from a, a kind of point of view, he said, if you are faithful unto death, you receive life. <laughs> Let me think about that. <laughs> you know? Because the crown of life, the liberation, the freedom, the entrance into the spirit of Christ only happens in the place where the carnal nature dies. So that story that Joseph gave, the carnal nature was that greed of thinking of myself, oh my good. That same place where that greed died in that taxi is the same place that the spirit of generosity, which is actually Christ, unfolded out of him and unfolded so much that he could walk to his house peacefully. Even if there might have, might have been a little grumble there, but on a normal day, he would never have even done that in the first place. So that in itself is a great freedom. You see, that place of death, the Red Sea, where the Pharaoh dies, is the same place that the Israelites become liberated. Are you seeing how these stories pertain to our lives today, 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 today? Do you see? Is it clear? Yeah, 100%. Huh? Yeah. You know? True, yes. Yes, it is. So all this However, was talking about. Um, okay, talk to me. Sorry. So this um, what you were saying about dying and you know how the flesh must die to attain the nature of Christ. I kind of like it sounds lovely, especially that attaining the nature of Christ bit. Like even as you were saying it, the way I was smiling. Yeah. However, all those things that we, you know, the, when you were talking about that process of feeling free and feeling better. I can't really relate because I've never experienced that, right? And I know that it's good because we're all talking about how amazing it would be to attain the nature of Christ. But I've never actually experienced that feeling of, ah, it feels so good for this flesh to die. Do you get what I mean? And I want to be able to put to death the works of the flesh, but I just, I do, I just don't know what it would feel like to kind of have that nature and to enjoy having that nature is it possible, like, for God to give me just a little bit, a little taste of what the nature of Christ would be like, so I can know what I'm working towards? You see, in life, we have to learn how to appreciate the little things because the little things are actually very, very large. Let me ask you a question: Two years ago, would you have spent two and a half hours on a phone call like this? Nope. You understand? So how come you are here happily? Are you are you stressed to be here? Are you struggling? Yeah, I love it here. Uh-huh. That joy, where do you think the joy came from? That's something. That's big. You hear what I'm saying? And after this call, you might pick up your Bible. That's big. 
compared to where you were two years ago. The only measurement you need to measure is who you were yesterday and who you are now. Don't look at anybody's growth. Don't look at anybody. Look at yourself. What were you doing two years and what were you doing now? That's how you know you have grown. It doesn't matter what anybody tells you. You look at yourself and see where you come from and you glory in it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. As you are now, this is something to be thankful to God for. It's a great thing. So for the fact that you could hear this kind of, for the fact you, you just said you are even happy to hear about this death. <laughs> Do you know how many people that if I talk about this death, they, they, would, they would cut off this call? <laughs> or they tell, it's true now. I've been fought with people for this message before. I've been fought. Do you understand? So that you heard it <laughs> and you are not disgusted. That tells of the transformation that's happened inside of you. True transformation, when you really change, you, it's someone that will tell you, you won't notice it. Does a goat notice that he's eating grass? He just eats grass. It's you that will tell him, goat, you're eating grass. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Lion doesn't know that he's eating it, an, an antelope. He just eats it. It's you that will tell him he's eating antelope. It's, it's just nature. A dancer, you do, they just dance. They just, they just move. That's when you know change has happened. You don't try to be kind. It just happens spontaneously. Someone is in need, you're, you're, you're jumping there to help them. You don't even think. So take note of these little things and be grateful to God for them. And that's what, that's what you should build from. So that you don't tell, because I'm, I'm talking to you and I'm even hearing it now. You've been looking at yourself as you've not been growing, isn't it? A little, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not growing. It looks like there's nothing. You need to I just feel like yet. I've been here for a while. <laughs> and it's like, I should be more by now. <laughs> First of all, embrace where you are, you know. And when you understand where you are, then ask God, how can I move forward? If you ask God this night, that question is sincerity. Father, my God in heaven, how can I move forward from here? He will give you an opportunity. And you will know it in the, in the moment. Or you will know it after the moment has passed. Then when you discover it, you'll be prepared for the next time it comes. That's how good happens. You understand? Yeah. So... You're in, a, you're in a fantastic place. Keep on. You know, you move from here, you go and you'll be surprised two years from now, if you're consistent, you like, you just like, wow, look at how much I've changed. Everything begins from there. Spirituality, everything begins from there. You see? So, God bless you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Susu, talk to me. Susu. Susu, are you there? Susu, are you there? No? Okay. Oh, yeah. Is your hand still up or you forgot to put it down? Sorry, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, but, 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 but your question, was it answered though? Mm-hmm. You sure? Part of it, um, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, 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 um. Try, Susie. Try logging out and coming back in again. So, um, everything we've just spoken about is all encapsulated in the word bara, the unfolding the expansion, the carving out of the nature of God, it happens inside of us because creation itself was carved in God. 
just like a, a statue is carved inside of the stone, you know, that's the same way all of us have been carved. And also, like, have you seen this picture of a very fat person and they chisel a fit person inside of the body of the, have you seen that, that sculpture, that image before? Yes, yeah. You know, that's creation. And that's the new creation that God wants to achieve inside of us. We're that fat person, you know, fat, fat in whatever character, nature, whatever we have. But from that fatness, that's all that, God carves out that beauty. And he's ready to do it for any single person who is ready to entrust themselves. And it does not matter how wrecked we might think we are. All these things don't matter because God is bigger than all these things. And if we can trust him, and we can have faith. It doesn't matter where we might be now. It doesn't matter what deep addiction. All those things don't matter. The question is, are you ready to let God help you? The moment you say, Father, I'm ready to be liberated. In that instant, help is coming for you. It might happen in an instant. It also might happen in an instant. But one thing is for sure, it's coming. Because Jesus Christ said, anyone who knocks on the door, the door shall be opened unto you. He who seeks shall find. So it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter how it, all these things don't matter. Seek. Seek and believe that God, your Father in heaven, can liberate you from whatever Egypt you might be in. And you discover that that light that you thought was outside has always been in you. You know, has always been in you. And that's the bara, the expansion, the growth, the fetus. That's why Paul said, I feel bad pangs like a woman in labor that Christ may be formed inside of you. That is the barrage, the formation of Christ inside of you, the growth, the expansion. You know, this is an, it's an ongoing process. Every day, every season of our lives is ongoing. Creation is ongoing. There are different degrees and degrees and dimensions. What do you think you've reached the peak? Ooh, you're just starting a new beginning, you know. And over time, we're going to start investigating all the different stories and see how everything just connects because it's so beautifully explained in the lives of Joseph and Abraham and whoo, we're in for a ride. And you're going to see how your own life will start to change. And it's not just about interpreting Bible. It's not just about that. You start to see how you start to interpret your life. You can start to interpret your family. You still have, you start to do things differently, change, grow to the bara, the expansion of the light in you. That is what God is achieving in this moment. And he's ready for anyone that is ready for him. So, on that note, I'll say that this beautiful conversation has come to a glorious end. Um, um, before we close, Susu, your, your hand was up for some time. Um, thank you. Um, I wanted to expand on um, what you were saying when you were talking about asking for direction then falling. Like, okay, so um, I have this, when you were saying it, I was thinking about the Bible. I feel like the Bible is a very symbolic book. It's not, like not everything is literal. The Bible is very symbolic. Everything. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, so not everything is literal. And everything that has happened in the Bible 
has like an effect or has I, I feel like the Bible is not a rule book but a manual to follow, mm. like a manual for life. Mm. So if you look at the death of Jesus and all the um, situations surrounding that time, you'll find out that in in asking God for help to maybe um, overcome a particular sin of temptation, it's like what you were saying that when you ask, you'll be given some rules to follow, then obviously you fall along the way. If you look at it, um, when Jesus was about to die, during this, there was like a build up, there were like situations that happened that built up to that time. So if you notice at the beginning of his life, he never really dwelt so much about his death. It was towards that time so it's like what you were saying when you have this um you have like i don't know if it's like your conscience that will be telling you that okay i think i've gotten to a point where i actually need to ask god for help so you can look at um when jesus prayed to God for help before his death as like a symbol. So praying to God for help, but asking God to take control. So if the way I see it, I look at it as the, the way Jesus um, carried his cross to the destination, to the point where he was supposed to die, is like the rules that we are giving so if you notice, it was supposed to be like a straight road. So just carry this cross, go, to the, go through this straight path and get there. But if you notice, Jesus fell three times. And at a point, some, um, somebody was asked to help him. So I feel it's, it's just like when we are trying to repent from a particular sin. It's like you ask God for help but it's hard. But the thing is that God won't just leave you in the middle to just carry your cross alone. The reality is that you will fall, but God is always there to pick you up because if you notice every time that Jesus fell, he kept getting up no matter how tired he was until he got to his destination. So that's just the way I understand that. That's the way, that was just what came into my mind when you were saying, when you were explaining mm. the whole thing. So mm. that's just what I wanted to say. That was a beautiful um, picture you just painted in that absolutely, you know, the fall is actually part of the journey to standing up. There is, because I, I, I cook a lot, so I like to use um, culinary analogies, you know, one doesn't become a master chef without burning some dishes here and there, cutting his fingers, burning his fingers. It, it happens. So your goal is not to make a bad dish. Your goal is to make a good dish. But in the process of making a good dish, you're going to mess it up here and there. And that messing up is part of the learning process. You know, The fall has to happen. You have to see your cracks. You have to see your loopholes. You have to see the places that you're weak. The fall is part of the learning. It's part of the standing up. 
So let no one tell you that falling is not there in the standing up and they will now condemn you and throw you to hell when you made a mistake. It's God like that. And that's why, because of that mindset, we don't understand why God loves David so much. That's why we say, oh my God, we should remove it from the Bible. How can you, hi, hi, can you remove Mark Zuckerberg's billionaire status from those times he was struggling in Harvard, looking for who is going to subscribe to his vision? Can you take that out of his story? I'm asking, how can we remove the part? Can there be beauty without ugliness? So you want to remove David's ugliness. If there was no ugliness, how can you call him beautiful? The ugliness is part of it. It's part of it. So we can't throw it away. That is what makes the, the picture beautiful when there has been ugly there. Of course, true wealth is built on poverty. So it's part of the journey. And don't let anyone condemn you for it. There's a place of us feeling sorrowful for our wrongdoing. Sorrow is important. We need to feel sorrow for wrongdoing. But up to a point, that point being when we start to condemn ourselves because self-condemnation is always rooted in pride. We're telling ourselves, ah, I should have been beyond this and more than this. If you were more than this, why did you do it? You see, you didn't know you were more than it, but God wanted to expose you to yourself. He knows you. You don't know you. So he said, okay, you don't know yourself. Okay, I will send this situation for you. You now see yourself. You will now be ashamed. Say, Jesus, this is me. Of course. You know? Helen, I always say that life is not so straightforward. So every situation is depends. There's no one cut cloth. A pastor can make a mistake in the church and God will say, listen, that man, you must completely dis- dissociate from you. It's very possible. At the same time, God can say, this man who did us told you did this last week, let him stand on the pulpit and preach. As that man stands on the pulpit and preaches, if he's really a man of God, he can just start to cry from speaking. Because God, you can commit a bad thing and God will tell you, go and also talk to someone. And in that talking, the conviction that will happen to you, you can just start to cry. And that's why God said, go ahead and say, do it. So it's not, it's not, you can't put God in a box. You see, you can commit a big crime and God will say, you discommunicate from everyone. You can commit a big crime and he tell you, stay with everyone and stand and talk to them. Because sometimes the reason why we're standing and bold, standing bold talking to people is because we believe we're better than them. So when you've seen your own field, God did not make you stand in front of those people realizing how dirty you are. That will give you a whole level of realization and a new light will unfold. So it's not one cut cloth. So God can tell you to remove the pastor. God can tell you to keep him. It depends. It all depends, you know. So yes, none yes. Spiritual pride, you know. So some of us, the reason why we can stand and preach is because we believe that, oh, we are beyond all these things. Ah, I cannot fall for lost. You know, me, sex, and me, I'm, sex is my sleep. Until one day, God will set you up. And you see, isn't that written in Ecclesiastes? Solomon said that God shows God, God tests the men that they may know that they are beasts. Yes, people think that they are human beings, but they don't know they are beasts. So God will test you for you to see that what you see, what you're really capable of, so that you can cry for repentance. You know. So it's 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 a very dynamic and interesting narrative, you know. So yes, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Confidence. Thank you for obliging me. I know the time is far spent, but I quickly wanted to share kind of like a testimony. Um, so I've been having issues, issues, yes, with hearing from God. 
it's funny you would speak to me about other people. I would probably even have dreams and prophecies about other people's visions. But on a particular situation with regard to seeking help from people, I would be stuck. I wouldn't hear anything. Like, I'd be like, what do you want me to do? I don't want to do anything outside of your will. Do you want me to do this or do you don't want me to do it? Up? Silence, absolute silence. And it would always keep me stuck. It was really, really bad. Even um, at the administration room, it was what I asked for prayers for because I was like, I don't know why he's not telling me anything. And I'm in a very dire situation and I need to make a decision because it's time-based and he's not saying anything. And I don't want to do anything outside of his will. But... It's funny how Susu was also talking about something similar. I feel like God just wanted me to learn that. Why are you afraid of falling? Why are you afraid of making a mistake? You just want it to be, oh, I heard from God and I did it and then it just worked. Is there something wrong if you make a mistake? You didn't hear well and then you just did what you wanted to do. It was like he was trying to get me to be nimble. Me, I've been shouting, oh, I'm so nimble. I've become nimble. You know, I move when the cloud moves and I stop when the cloud stops. <laughs> you know, but it was like he was telling you need to, you don't understand what nimble is yet. Nimble is fall, fall, fall. If you need to fall, fall. Stop trying to be some um some person who is so perfect you are striving for perfection in the wrong way when i tell you when when the when it was said in the scriptures to strive for perfection it did not mean strive to um become some kind of quote unquote jesus christ of galilee you know who didn't make mistakes or something like that it was like what did you what do you think you heard what do you think you're supposed to do i gave you wisdom i gave you i gave you a brain do it if after the fact you now realize that it was wrong, no problem. I'm still your father. Come back to me. I'll give you new directions. But you see this math, and you know the funny thing? This has happened several times this year alone. And every time I will not hear anything. It was like, you know the way you will say, until you learn, you cannot move from this class. Until you pass the exam, you stay in this class. And I stayed in that class until just yesterday. And I was like, you know what? I will just do what I do. Since I'm not hearing anything, I will, I will go. I will just do what I, what I feel like is right for me to do. And if after the fact, the Holy Spirit now convicts me and says, "Oh, it was wrong," I say, "Papa, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Let's try it again." You know, it's like I, I was even giving the example in, in, in the ministration room. I was saying that Paul, when he was facing um, Festus, where he was brought, charges were brought against him by the Jews. At some point, he said that he's appealing to Caesar, you know. And then when he was on the ship and he was going um, to, towards Rome, he the, the, an angel came and ministered to him about other things. And I was like, Paul now said that when he said he appealed to Caesar, he said it, he just did it out of compulsion. He felt like that was what he could do at that moment in time because he was stuck. Mm. He was in a bind. It wasn't like what Holy Spirit came to minister to him and say, appeal to Caesar. So I was like, if Paul could be stuck, and just make any decision like that, then there's nothing wrong with me, you know, waiting for, you know, some kind of voice to speak to me first of all. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just be like, just do what you need to do. Be, be, be like a child, do what needs to be done. Also be like an adult when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, hear him and obey. But also when you feel, when he's, 
in him not speaking to you, he's speaking to you because he's always speaking. But you need to understand the signs and the symbols. And it was yesterday I finally understood that that thing I thought was silence was him telling me loud and clear, fall, make the mistake. I will still be here for you. I just wanted to share that testimony because I feel like it might help someone else because I've been stuck in this for maybe years. And just yesterday I received my miracle and I'm so grateful. So yes, a time does come when, when um, just like the prodigal son, we begin to burn in our heart saying, Father, I want to get out of here. Father, I want to get out of here. Father, I want to get out of here. And, you know, sometimes one has to eat rice for them to realize that what they really like is yam, you know. And God will let us go into that place, you know. And, um, in that fall, in that place is when we, when we really see what we're capable of and see a lot of things that, just like the prodigal son, we come to a point where we remember our father and we say, wow, this is not the place I want to be. You know? So the goal is always to strive to be right. But in that striving to be right and to do right, one has to know that the will be falls along the way. There will be failures, there will be mistakes. Now, we're not trying to make mistakes. We're trying to do the right thing, you know. But in that process of doing the right thing, many wrong things will happen for us to learn. That's why when one wants to hire someone in a company, they want someone of 10, with 10 years worth of experience because they've made 10 years worth of mistakes. And those mistakes are what, are, what is what's valuable because you've seen, you've, you've made mistakes, you've, you know what is wrong, you know. So one shouldn't be afraid of making a mistake. One shouldn't be afraid of falling, you know. Sometimes it's important that the fall should happen. It's important. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very dicey thing. I'm just trying to make sure that, I hope what you guys understand. I'm not saying that one should go and do kumbaya. That's not what's being spoken of, but we're saying that one should not be so afraid of falling. Because if the only reason you're standing is because you're afraid of falling, sooner or later, that thing will happen, you know. So one shouldn't be afraid, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Finally fire came in and then. Okay. Um it's probably taking it a little off topic, but I really connect with what um confidence was just saying. Hmm. Um, of like and it it bring that brings about like a very unholy type of fear because you're stuck because you don't know what direction you're supposed to move in. So when you're talking about when God is bringing, giving you certain situations for you to grow, I think that's one of the like things that he does because let's say I want to move. I'm like, God, do you like this place? I don't hear God. I'm like, hey, okay, <laughs> should I go or should, or should I not go? Like, <laughs> what's the answer? And I'm not hearing anything. But I think that the, everything that we've been learning everything that we've been like digesting for like these past couple of months should actually be used to apply to make those decisions. So sometimes you don't hear God say, yes, fire, go. <laughs> but everything that like you've been digesting, like, you know, in terms of maybe what God is speaking to you about your purpose, the plan that he, what he wants you to do, um, 
the people that he wants you to be around should kind of influence your decisions in, you know, like, you know, whatever you decide to do or say if you, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've, I really like, um, I really, really like uh, connect with what she was saying. Cause that really, it brings about a, a place where you're just stuck and you think it's because you're serving God that you're stuck. No, <laughs> it's not, it's out of fear, out of fear. And that's like, yeah. I'm holy fear. I, I absolutely I especially love that word unholy fear you know because fear is never of God and if we find that most of the time we're afraid oh we're so afraid oh my god you know that's a problem you know and two things can happen one when you find that you're afraid that's the more reason why you need to confront that fear you have to confront it you have to face it you might fall in the process of doing that but that's not the point. The point is that you should confront it. If you find that you are so afraid of talking to this particular person, it depends. So you see, look, at the end of the day, we still have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't go and do past yourself, you know. Don't do past yourself. But when you find out that you are afraid, that fear is not a good thing. And, you know, generally, the antidote of fear is always confrontation. So that's the very thing that you are very scared of. See how you can confront it little by little to begin to remove that fear from yourself. In that process, you might fall and hit the ground, and maybe that's important. That's what needs to happen so that you stop being afraid of it. Because when you hit the ground, you know what's there. You know, Anthony Joshua became a champion. That moment, he fell to the ground and he got back up. That's what made him great. So the ground is always a bad place. You know, so one should not be afraid to confront their fears. If the only reason why you are you are standing is because you are afraid and you have no, 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 no. Sometimes. Confront them little by little and see, see. But of course, ask God, don't go and do past yourself. Don't say, I, I told you to go and do something. You know, so, so yeah. Um, yes, God bless every single one of us. And um, so just so that we can easily help us summarize, I need maybe three, four people to say one or two things that stood out to them over the course of the conversation. And then we close. So who's going to go first? Okay, um, we talked about bara, and we learned that um, it means to carve out and um, expansion. Mm. And um, you said something about everything expanding from inside out, not outside mm. in. And we're able to understand that creation is continuous. So like it continues and, you know, someone mentioned how that creation exists beyond time. That time is a function of creation. And um, um, basically, I, and you said something of how creation, you know, happens inside, you know, inside of God, inside of God. And then um, we talked about um, birthing, how that um, water is a womb for the spiritual man. So, you know, there is, it, it's also like um, a tube, yeah? So death to the flesh, and it also brings about birthing. And um, mm. you said something of when our wishes align to the wishes of God, everything we wish for will actually come to pass. Mm. So like this where the key things I was able to, and the last one is believing in Christ is not just mouth, yeah? 
we have to be able to identify ourselves with the words that he spoke and the teachings mm. that he gave. So we are living by the teaching. So, you know, yes. um, faith, you know, we can, you can actually, you cannot have faith without work, but you can, you can work without having faith. It's very, very yes. important that, you know, your fruit is, is a testament of, you know, of Christ, basically. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. That was very fantastic. God bless you, Bukumi. God bless you. Okay. Um, three more people. Three more. Who's going to go next? Who's going to go next? I could go one next. Or two things that... Okay, amazing. Um, so one thing that actually sort of stood out to me was towards the end, well, basically what Confidence said <laughs> about like, you know, God God has given you a brain. So yes, because mm. one thing I realized in my life was before we used to, we used to take things as hmm, very big decisions and the little things did not really matter. Then when I became conscious of God, it now started to look like everything was a big thing. And then now he's made me realize that my definition of big thing and his definition are different so like for somebody else god could tell them move to this apartment but for me he's like yeah just go there you'll be fine because to them moving to that apartment can mean you'll find your destiny helper but to me moving to the apartment does not really may or may not have any serious um indictment to my purpose so he's like yeah just do it pick one that you like i would help you sponsor sponsor it god please I could sponsor it for you if you want to. So that really just um, stood out to me. And another thing was, you know, the word bara, like you said, it's it has many meanings. And it's more or less the essence of just to create something out of nothing. Like there is this big, big ball and you're able to carve out something. And it's not it's not like that thing you're carving out has a different nature from what from what it was before, but it's a more refined nature. So it's like how we how we have like different personalities and we're able to sort of streamline our personalities to fit a particular scenario so i can be a daughter to my mom i could be a mother to well, my mm. children in the future and i could be a, a an employee to my boss so that's one thing i also got and then the last one was understanding um human relationships and how everybody's evolving so you cannot stay frozen in um in the in your understanding of someone like five years ago and that's the one thing that really helps forgiveness because someone may have done something wrong to you five years ago but now they're christian and they're saved and they're preaching and you're like yo isn't this you <laughs> like <laughs> this was you but then you you understanding that the person has evolved would help you forgive them because the funny part is that god has forgiven them you're the one who's stuck in that situation and not forgiven you know not forgiving them so it, it helps it helps well for me it helped me to understand that look get out of that space and move so yeah those are the things that i got from the session thank you amazing amazing god bless you god bless you every day god bless you okay two more people well i can go um of course praise god okay so all right then then amos okay. uh i think one of the things that stood to me was the whole concept and the definition of bara um when you're explaining it i saw god literally as like a pregnant woman i don't know if that's mm. really correct but i saw him as a pregnant woman and um Beautiful. you know when 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 a woman gives birth the end of that creation is not the baby the baby still keeps growing so mm. that was one of the things that still stood out to me that you know life is fluid it's not um it's not stagnant it's not like um 
it's not in one place. I think that those were the one main things that stood out to me. And another thing that stood out to me was the fact that, um, you know, um, the mind that, you know, that has been put in us, uh, you know, the mind of Christ that we should all have also has mm. that same qualities of Bara, that is to, you know, constantly be expanding and be um, in a state of quote unquote evolution. Um, mm. So yeah, those are the things that stood out to me from this. Um, Beautiful. Thank you so much for that, Aura. Thank you. Amos, go ahead. Um, okay, so what stood out for me was um, the fact that, you know, our belief in Christ is not in, uh, it's not in a figure, but in the identification, you know, in our, in our identifying with the word of God. And um, what also stood out for me is, is that it's not just by also, you know, calling the name of Jesus, but it's the manifestation of that name, you know, the essence behind that name. And um, yes. another thing that really blew my mind was um, the fact that creation is continuous, you know, yes. that um, God is, you know, God is the Alpha and, you know, the Omega, and like in Him, you know, was everything created. So He doesn't even need to, you know, I, I kind of now saw it with the fact that, okay, since it's the beginning and the ending, he doesn't even need to change at all. That's why, you know, um, it was written that, you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever because he's the beginning mm. and the end. Like, so that means he doesn't even have to, like, have to change at all. So that was what, like, stood out for me. Amazing, amazing. God bless you, Amos. God bless you. That was amazing. Okay, who's going to be our final person? Okay, good evening. Good evening. Okay, so what stood out for me during this session was, okay, first of all, the fall and rise of man. I got mm. to understand that our journey through life is basically a case of falling and rising and falling and rising, rising stronger. Mm. Okay. And it mm. also reminded me of something I saw, I think, on your ID story on that meditations mm. where you explained from this vision that yes 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 of this you use these curly lines to explain it so where yes. you are the point of yes you are this okay man is has reason and then he falls and then keeps rising and fall like that like that is basically our journey through life so it's not a once saved forever saved kind of situation but we also yes. know that God is always there with us then the second thing is um where okay how God puts us in an environment to help us learn. Uh, that is the point of liberation where maybe you are you're in this, where you're in a fix, for instance, and then you need God to, okay, help me, help me get out of this, help me to learn, help me to grow. And then he puts you in, a, in an environment that will teach you to either remember him and then work your way through it. And then the last thing is to embrace your growth process. To acknowledge the little things and um, not to compare your growth with anyone else. That was what yes. I learned. Amazing, amazing. That was wonderful to see. God bless you. Um, just to add to that, you know, so we can have a good concept of this rising and falling. Growth, there will always be a fall in, in, in our journey. There will always be falls in the journey. However, when growth is happening, is when 
What you call a fall today was something you called a climax yesterday. Do we understand that? Yes. Please, can you come again? You know you are growing when, for example, last year, your climax was you, maybe someone argued and you kept quiet for 10 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. This year, your fall is being quiet for 10 seconds. Your high is not being quiet for 25. Does that make sense? Yes. That's when you are growing. When yes. something that was your best yesterday becomes your worst today, mm-hmm. that's good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you are going to fall, but your fall today is your was the height you attained yesterday. Yes. And that's when you know you are growing as a person. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So yeah. it's not about always going back to square one, back to square one. No, it's about you're having, uh, as you're growing, what you call fall is, like what Paul would call fall is not what you call fall. Paul's fall is probably that maybe for a second he's irritated with you. That's probably his own fall because he has gone way beyond losing temper and all these things. You, know, you, you, you get what I'm saying? So all of us are in different stages. So this is how you measure your growth. You know, you know you're growing when something that was your best yesterday is now your worst today, you know. Some like Jeff Bezos. Now, if Jeff Bezos has $1 billion, he can commit suicide. <laughs> He's not a poor man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? So, so, yeah, you know. On that note, this was a very blessed session. I very much enjoyed the conversation with every single one of us. This was amazing. And, yes, let's close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for this very enlightening conversation that you presented to us. I do pray that every single word that you release in this moment would take deep roots in our hearts and may trees of life evolve out of us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. May our lives begin to bear fruits of your love, of your patience, of your mercy, of your wisdom. And let may we be the sweet aroma and perfume of your spirit that anyone who comes within our vicinity will experience Christ because they've experienced us. May this be our testimony. May we be living epistles of God that anyone who reads us just by their encounter of us, if they have seen us, they have seen the Father. May this be our testimony as we move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.